0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: WPHC, HD, 3 Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zoli.
2: You know the most shocking part about Claudine Gay's resignation letter is that she's once again blaming racial animus. She's a victim. You understand? She's it's not because she's a plagiarizer. It's not because she uh, allowed all this anti-Semitic hatred on her campus. No, she's just a victim. Welcome to Academia in America. Hey, Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas season and Happy New Year. And hopefully you had a fun New Year's Eve. And here we are. 2024 is going to be insane. It is. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we are going to have a blast enjoying it. Watching from the sidelines. Uh, we'll begin with some very, very bad poll numbers for Joe Biden, the worst possible poll numbers he could ever possibly have. And he is now losing Hispanic and black voters to Donald Trump. Trump is winning with Hispanic and black voters. Yes, that's happening. Oh, you know what else is happening today? New mayor in Philadelphia, and she's declared a public safety emergency. As Sherelle Parker becomes the mayor and good riddance to Jim Kenney, he was an absolute disaster and a disgrace. And the new mayor has said, we got to address crime. So hopefully we will in the city of Philadelphia as we begin a new year. But nationally speaking, all eyes will be on Pennsylvania once again. First, though, they're going to be on Colorado and uh, and Maine and Rhode Island and whatever other states that wind up banning Trump from the ballot. He's going to ask the Supreme Court to intervene. And they will. They will. They will obviously hear the case because it's a big deal. The question of whether or not a state can just unilaterally ban a candidate from their ballot. I mean, you even have David Axelrod out there saying that this is a disaster for Democrats. All they're doing is helping prop up Trump and all they're doing is making people upset because people want to be able to make the choice for themselves. And you're trying to deprive millions of people of voting for the person they want to vote for. And people don't like that. The, the question the Supreme Court is going to have to answer if it does take the case, and I, I'm sure it will, Trump's going to ask them, I guess, officially today to take it up, is does a state just have the right to decide guilt without having a trial? And of course, the answer to that is no. I mean, there's, due process matters in this country. And I, I love, too, the, the analogies the left is using. You know, they keep bringing up things like, well, I mean, um, if Arnold Schwarzenegger tried to run for president, he wouldn't be allowed to because he wasn't born here. Right, but the Constitution outlines that very very specifically I mean article 2 says you got to be 35 born in America and you got to live here for a certain number of years and that's it those are all the requirements right there you don't have to be handsome charming good looking have great hair all those things do help but you don't need to have those things and it, and so yeah no a state would absolutely be within their rights to turn around and say we don't you didn't you yep, you weren't born here so can't put you on the ballot and there's a process where if you want to try to prove that you were born here, you could. Now, of course, in a hypothetical situation where, let's say there was a candidate who, um, I don't know, let me pick a hypothetical state, say Hawaii, right? <laughs> said he was born in Hawaii, but there's all these rumors he was actually born in, I'll just pick a country, random, uh, Kenya or something like that, right? And you, you would never... Actually, get a state to look into that because everybody would scream racism, so it'd be a moot point. But nevertheless, there'd be a process whereby if a state turned around and said, We don't really believe you're born in America, there's a process where you could prove it in a court of law, and it's called due process. Like, let's say, for example, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let's say Schwarzenegger tried to convince everybody he was born in America because he wanted to be president. And he turned around and he said, that, that, that whole thing, I was born in Austria. That was just to help my career. That's frugazy. I was born in America. Okay. So then he tries to file a run for president. And the state turns around and goes, Arnold, not for nothing, but been a big fan of yours for years. Loved you in Terminator and kindergarten cop. It's not a tumor. You're great. Uh, jingle bells all the way. Jingle all the way. Not, not as good, but you know. We know you weren't born here, so we can't let you be on the ballot. The Constitution is very clear on this point. And he would turn around and say, no, no, I really was. It's a, the whole thing. Is a, it was all a, a publicity stunt saying I was born overseas. Okay, well, um, you can sue us. And he would. And then he'd go to a judge. And a judge would say, well, then show me your birth certificate. And he would show them the birth certificate and either go, wow, he really did pull one over on everybody. Turns out Schwarzenegger was born in America, or the, he would he would not be able to produce such a document. In which case, the judge would tell the Secretary of State, you are well within your rights to keep him off the ballot. But there's a due process part of this. Same thing with the age. You know, if some pimply-faced 20-year-old came up and said, I want to run for president, and the state says, we don't think you're 35, there's a process where you show them your age, you're, you're identifying documents to show your age. And if for some reason you can't prove those documents and it goes to court and you're willing to submit to some sort of, I don't know, carbon dating or something. But again, there's a process. But a state just to turn around and go, we've decided that this candidate's ineligible under the 14th Amendment, even though he was never charged with this, let alone convicted of this by a jury of his peers. It's not how America works. You don't get to just decide someone's guilt. There's a process for that. It's called due process. And then the application question of whether or not it would be applicable under the 14th Amendment, Section three, which, of course, I don't think it is. But regardless, before you even get there, you have the whole pesky due process problem. Like, for example, I'm convinced OJ Simpson is guilty. I think he murdered Nicole Brown Simpson and her, her boyfriend. I, I think every I think he's guilty. But the, the jury found it differently you don't get to just say someone's guilty and then e- e- even if you know the jury got it wrong. like That's the thing about America. Well, the states are not even letting a jury decide here. They're, they're just skipping ahead and deciding their own. They're doing well, I saw it on TV. Therefore, I've determined he's guilty of an insurrection because I watched it on television. You know, even people who are caught on camera committing crimes still get a trial. You know what I mean? They still get a trial. This happens all the time. People are caught on video committing a crime. They plead not guilty. It still goes to trial. The judge doesn't get to just walk in the courtroom and go, you know what? i look at the evidence myself and I don't even think we need to be here. It's obvious this guy did it. Case closed. No, I mean, your honor, my client has pleaded not guilty and he's going to argue that the video is is fake and whatever. And this jury will have to decide. And my client doesn't have to prove his innocence. The state has to prove his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And I mean, that's America. It's how it works. You have two states right now who have decided to skip all that, just completely skip due process and turn around and go, Ah, we think you did it. We think you're guilty. I mean, you haven't even been charged, but we think you did it anyway, and we've decided your guilt, and we've decided the sentence accordingly. I mean, you know, it's—I—I—I it, I, I would never want to live in a country like that. That's what authoritarianism is. I mean, the authoritarian countries—they decide guilt. There's no jury of your peers. There's there's no nobody gets to hear evidence. The state says you're guilty, and they might have a sham trial or something like that, but. So I think the first thing the United States Supreme Court is going to turn around and say is there was no due process here. You know, the argument that I heard from some idiot legal scholars said something like, well, Donald Trump had his due process in Colorado because they did a, a, a five day trial in the D.C. Uh, or in the uh, Colorado Circuit Court, and they found him guilty of an insurrection. Well, I, I'm sorry, but the state of Colorado doesn't have the right to charge somebody with a federal offense and then find their guilt. And it was not even a criminal trial. It was a, it was a hearing to determine ballot eligibility. It's not due process. You're gonna bar somebody from being on the ballot because you're accusing them of a very serious federal offense. You have to do due process due process, not, not, not fake due process, but actual due process, which involves charges and, and a trial and a jury and all the other things that are involved with due process. And in the right uh, jurisdiction, mind you, because states don't get the right to charge people with federal offenses and f- and the feds can't charge people with state crimes. That's how federalism works. So the first thing I think the United States Supreme Court is going to say is that you know, they're going to turn around and say, I mean, we're talking about he wasn't charged with anything, let alone found guilty. And so you can't apply a a ruling on this without. Uh, so much as a trial i think that's the first thing the supreme court's going to say they don't even have to get into the whole 14th amendment section three aspect of it if they don't want to although i think they should and just for once and for all settle the question you know why didn't they put the word president in there they had it in the in the first draft why did they take it out but there's a political implication to this that democrats are i mean they are playing with fire here They, they really are You know, even Karl Rove, who's no fan of Trump, you know, he's as establishment as you get. He's out there saying this is only helping Donald Trump's poll numbers. And it is every time they keep coming after the guy like this, it only helps him. And I don't know, maybe Democrats still think he's the easiest one to beat, I guess. There's no other explanation for this, but they're playing with fire because the latest poll numbers that are out now, it's a USA Today Suffolk University poll shows Trump is winning with Hispanics and blacks. He's winning with Hispanic voters and black voters. These are two core constituencies that Joe Biden needs, and he is winning with both. And Steve Kornacki was all flustered in his khakis over the weekend in MSNBC going on about how Joe Biden is starting the year with the absolute worst poll numbers for an incumbent facing re-election in NBC polling history. Worse than any other first term president who wound up losing re-election Biden is worse than all of them. Now, this is why I was on Fox News yesterday and I mentioned the fact that Biden is a, the Democrats know this is a disaster in the making. Biden is a disaster in the making for them. They don't want him on the ticket. They don't want him to be their nominee. They don't know what to do. I mean, they're stuck right now. But, he's, but every single time you listen to these Democrat states come out and scream about insurrection and they, 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 Trump is guilty and all these other things, you just have to turn around and ask yourself, who gave you the power to just determine somebody's guilty of a federal offense? Where did you get this power from? And if you don't have the power, then how do you have the power to keep somebody off the ballot? You know, that 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 right there should tell you everything you need to know about the problems that Democrats are facing in this effort to try to keep him off the ballot is that nobody empowered them to do this. They don't have the authority to do this. Like, here's Maine secretary of state. Let me play this clip for you. This is Maine secretary of state, Shanna Bellows, explaining her decision to remove Donald Trump from the presidential ballot. And the entire time that you listen to this, you just have to ask yourself one question where where do you get the right where does this come from where do you get the right to even come here and make this determination let's start with cut number one it's a very detailed
3: decision uh we lay out uh why under main law the secretary of state has the authority indeed the obligation i'm duty bound to make this determination uh we also i rather um, laid out that the record demonstrates that in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of section three of the 14th amendment. And finally, uh, in reviewing the facts presented, the evidence, uh, the law, the history, um, we determined uh, under section three of the 14th amendment that Mr. Trump engaged in insurrection and therefore, was disqualified.
4: Now, I I I have to say, not only is this an incredibly important decision, but it's a very brave decision. Brave. Uh, the Trump campaign yes. has has already come out attacking you. Uh, they have.
2: Right, said Let's let let just are jump a- in. Let me let me. Okay. So we've det- So Maine has determined this. We've determined this because we watched something happen on television. We watched something happen on TV, and then we determined that he's guilty of something, and we did this. And that's how it works now in America. You know, if you see it happen on television, it must be real. And therefore, he's guilty of an insurrection. He hasn't been charged with this. He has not been found guilty of this. But we've we in the state of Maine have determined this. Now, that basically says right there, we don't believe in due process. The state of Maine, we don't believe in due process. You know, I mean, you you commit a crime. We all know you did it. We're just going to skip right to the past. The trial go right to the sentencing phase of things because we know you did it. We saw it. We all saw it happen and so therefore we know you're guilty. That that and, that, and, and that's and that's America. That's that's America. This is and Colorado saying the same thing here. This is the Colorado Secretary of State who's also decided now and using what is in fact a serious federal charge inciting an insurrection. And then this is a the Secretary of State of a state who's saying now that they've determined this again they they've just skipped ahead to the trial to the to the sentencing phase here no trial no jury of his peers not not even charges let alone that they're just going right to the sentencing phase cut number 3 Colorado's elections
5: are the best in the nation and we think we'll have a great election regardless of what happens. We have provisions already under Colorado law uh, to deal with a situation when a candidate is disqualified when their name already appears on the ballot. And the vast majority of Coloradans actually vote their mail ballots even with unprecedented in-person voting opportunities. I think it's important to note that we are only here because Donald Trump incited the insurrection. He has created the situation for himself. There is clear language in the Constitution in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment for this exact situation. Uh, I believe he is a threat to democracy, the right to vote, and the future stability of this nation.
2: You see, I I believe these things. So if I believe these things, they must be true. So if I believe these things, they must be true, and therefore I've decided, and therefore that's it. I, we, we, me, I've decided. Now I know there's this whole pesky due process thing where you're supposed to get a hearing and a trial and a jury and all this other stuff, but don't worry about all that. I've decided, me, me, I, as the Colorado Secretary of State. And their analogies are so stupid, you know what I mean? They're really dumb. Here is Jamie Raskin, himself an election denier, who, by the way, in 2016, tried to keep Donald Trump or 2017 from becoming president, as he tried to challenge the certification of Trump for Florida in 2017, and then Vice President Joe Biden told him no because he didn't have a senator signing off on it. But election denialist Jamie Raskin uh, equating this, and this is such a stupid analogy here, to people who aren't born in this country. Cut number four.
6: I think that the urgency is for the Supreme Court to act, but um, I think it's gonna be, Uh, tough for some of them if they want to keep Trump on the ballot, if they're falling for the argument that this is undemocratic. I mean, is it undemocratic that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jennifer Granholm can't run for president because they weren't born in the country? If you think about it, of all the forms of disqualification we have, the one that disqualifies people for engaging in insurrection is the most democratic
2: how i mean the other ones you have a way to prove it i can prove if somebody's born in america i can tell you if somebody wasn't born in america it's called a it's called a birth certificate how do you prove the 14th amendment if you don't have due process see and this is this is why the democrats fall flat on their face with all this stuff you don't have a way to prove this if you don't go through due process and i think that's the first thing the supreme court's going to say But the question you have to keep asking yourself is why do they keep doing this? And doesn't this become a political problem for them? I mean, this is what David Axelrod is asking. David Axelrod, who got Barack Obama elected, was on CNN. And even he is pointing out what we all know here, which is that this is stupid. It's not going to work for them. But there is a political disaster in the making for Democrats here. So why do they keep doing this? Cut number nine.
7: All of this is is uh, strengthening uh, him in the Republican primary. We've run this experiment. Uh, you know, he's only gained since he started getting indicted. Uh, you know, what you thought might be kryptonite for him has turned out to be battery packs. And this is a big one uh, for him. Uh, presumably, the Supreme Court will deal with it uh, fairly quickly. And I expect that they will leave him on the ballot. And yes, uh, Brianna, I... Uh, I I have very, very strong reservations about all of this. I do think it would rip the country apart if he were uh, actually prevented from running because tens of millions of people uh, want to vote for him. I think if you're going to beat Donald Trump, you're going to probably have to do it at the polls.
2: Yeah, well, you know what? Axelrod's a smart guy. And he knows that this is not going to work. He knows it's not going to fly. And he also knows that all they're doing is helping Donald Trump politically. So you have to just ask yourself the question. Why are these people so stupid? Why are they so politically stupid that they keep doing things that just help the guy who is crushing Joe Biden in the polls right now? And the only answer you can come up with is that they just really believe that Trump is the easiest one to beat and they are playing with fire here and this is going to come back and it's going to bite them you know where and they are going to regret this. No question about it. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Harvard's president is out. She's blaming racism, of course, obviously not her plagiarism, not for allowing all that anti-Semitic speech on college campuses. And the border situation is so bad now. Illegal immigrants are being dropped off in New jersey what will king philip the unaccountable say about this i'll tell you what the democrat mayor of edison new jersey is saying about it he's saying they're illegal immigrants and they don't belong here they belong on the other side of the border yeah that's really happening too it's great to be back with you happy new year we're coming right back
6: t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours
9: You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports,
1: Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
2: All right. So Claudine Gay is out as the president of Harvard University. We'll talk more about that, of course. Biden is trailing Trump among Hispanic voters. We'll talk about that as well. New mayor in Philadelphia, Sherelle Parker, acknowledging, uh, as she always has, Philadelphia is uh, rife with crime and she's declaring a public safety emergency. So we'll talk about that as well. And, you know, As you think about 2024 and you think about the politics of everything, we're about to see where all this lands in the presidential primary for the Republicans. I mean, it, it, Biden is on track to be the Democrat nominee. They don't want him to be, but they might be stuck with the guy. The question, though, becomes what happens in the Republican primary? Now, I think Trump's going to be the nominee. I've been telling you that. It's not because I, um, I'm i I'm, I'm in the tank for him. It's just I, I, I can just read polling numbers. I, I don't see a pathway for anyone to stop him. But that doesn't mean they're not going to try. And it doesn't mean that they're not trying with Nikki Haley. The question is, will Ron DeSantis stay in the race? You know, he pulled back on a big media buy he was going to do. And Chris Christie's staying in the race just to help Haley. I mean, that's obvious. You know, he's doing in 2024 what he did in 2016 when he stayed in the race to attack other people to help Trump. You remember back then he went after Marco Rubio and the whole thing where he took down Rubio on the debate stage and that was all for Trump's benefit. And then he was hoping to become, I guess, Trump's attorney general or something. Well, he's doing the same thing now with Nikki Haley. I mean, he knows he's not going to win. He's he's just there to try to, I, 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 I imagine, get a job with her. And Vivek Ramaswamy is doing the same thing, but the opposite. He's doing it to try to help Trump as he goes after Nikki Haley. But the establishment is solidly behind Nikki Haley at this point. You know, they've decided DeSantis can't win. They, they, they're, they're all behind her. She's getting the money. She's getting the support. And quite frankly, Democrats are fine with it, too, because she supports the Ukraine war. Now, as long as they keep their Ukraine war, then, then fine. Then they're OK. You know, they'll be fine with it. But we will have to watch. And Trump's going to do a big town hall meeting, I just found out on Fox News, I think on January 10th, right before the Iowa caucus. So that is probably Fox News acknowledging the reality that, yeah, he's going to be the nominee. So, I mean, you can try to pretend otherwise, but he's going to I mean, he's going to win and Democrats are helping him win. And everything David Axelrod said in that last clip that I played for you, where He said, all this is doing is just helping Trump. Yes, it is only helping Trump. What Colorado and Maine are doing, what all these other Democrat states are talking about doing is only benefiting Trump's political future. But there's something else, too. And that is that Biden is just a freaking disaster. I mean, he is. He's a disaster. You know, the the reason why Trump is beating him with Hispanics right now is because of the border situation and also the economy. It's like I was reading this piece over at National Review. Dan McLaughlin wrote this great piece. He said there's four problems for the Democrats when they try to spin and say the economy is great. The first one being is that everybody just feels the economy. I, mean, I, I do the shopping in our house. I like to do the shopping. I get I can I can go in the morning and I can get it done and the store's quiet and but I see it myself. You see it. So you can pretend, you can hear the White House spin and have them come out and go, Bidenomics is great. But you feel it, you see it, you see the interest rates, you know what you're paying. You may want to buy a house, you may want to buy a car, maybe you can't, or maybe you you did and you're spending so much more money in interest now. All the spin in the world doesn't change that. You know, it does not change that. The second problem Democrats have is their own message. On the one hand, they turn around and they cry all the time and tell everybody that there's all this inequity and they got to make everything, uh, equity and, and, and America stinks and, you know, you're, you're a victim. And so they need to raise taxes on people to give you more money. And then in the next breath, they turn around and tell everybody everything's great economically. So I mean, you their, 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 their economic message is everything stinks. They start their day by telling everybody that America stinks and that the economy stinks. And so the only way to make it better is to become a socialist utopia. And then five minutes later, they go on about how Bidenomics is terrific. So they, so they, their message is terrible. And the other problem that they have is that their messenger is just awful. I mean, Joe Biden is an awful messenger. So, so these, are, these are the problems that they have. The border situation, it's funny, you know, all these places— all these states that at one point came out and they had these giant hate has no home here signs on their state you know when you're driving lately they have these dumb dopey signs on the highway you know you'll be bad like y-u-l-e you know you'll be bad if you text and you know don't text santa's watching and whoever the idiot in government is That decided to waste my taxpayer dollars with these snarky little messages that I think that they, I guess they think they're cute on the road, all the signs, you know, put down the phone or you'll be on the naughty list. Ha ha. It's so annoying. I, every time I see these things, I just think to myself, some bureaucrat who has no creativity whatsoever is writing these messages and I'm paying for that guy's salary and it really annoys me. But as you think about these states imagine if they all had these digital signs and instead of their dopey messages it all said they all said hate hey, has no home here and no humans illegal everyone's welcome until they actually show up you know until they actually show up on their doorstep and then the states turn around and go ah <laughs> this is awkward yeah you know we didn't uh, we didn't really mean it we said that you know i mean i know i told you to just drop in anytime but i wish you called because i would have at least put on something and i don't have any food in the house and this is awkward you know and you, then person turns around and goes yeah but you told me just drop in you said anytime i want just just stop on in do the drop in you know that that ever happens to you and you immediately when the someone brings your doorbell and you realize they're there and you weren't expecting them you turn around and you go um yeah, no, I didn't think that you'd really take me up on that. I said it, but I didn't really mean it. And this is this is what Democrat cities and Democrat states are dealing with right now. I mean we all remember when Jim Kenney did the white man's overbite and danced in the hallway singing, We Are a Sanctuary City, yeah. And then all of a sudden, illegal immigrants start showing up in these places and they're all turning around and acting like when they put out the invitation, they didn't really mean it. They didn't want you to do the drop in because they don't have any stuffed shells ready. There's no, they do not even have any coffee made, nothing. And they are just showing up. And now it's happening in New Jersey too. And the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, this guy is something he, um, has come out and said these busloads of illegal immigrants can only come between certain hours and they must give 36 hours notice before they come into New York. So what's happening is they're dropping all these people off in Jersey, up in Secaucus, New Jersey, uh, which if you've ever been up there, it's not far from Giant Stadium and they have a big train station there and they're dropping them off there, you know, and it's all Democrat. This is all These are all Democrat places up there and the people don't want it. I mean, nobody does. You know, that's the thing. They they believe that America should have open borders, but that everybody who comes here should have to stay in Texas and that Texas should never send anybody away. And everybody who comes has to stay in Texas. And that's just the way it is. And how dare Texas send people to other parts of the country? And at the same time, they're saying this. All I keep thinking is, yeah, but what if the people want to go? I mean, what if they want to go to New York or what if they want to go to Chicago or Boston? What right does Texas have to keep them from going? I mean, you're the people that that created this problem. You said everybody can come here. You said America was open. You said everybody should come to America and America should never turn anybody away because I've read this sign. It said, and I quote, we believe No human is illegal. So now you're telling these people they can't go to certain places. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. I mean, that sounds to me like you think they might be illegal. (laughs) You You don't want them there. So it's a very mixed message. But I think the reason why Trump is winning with Hispanic voters right now is because Hispanic voters don't want an open border any more than people who aren't Hispanic do. In fact, they may find it even more offensive if they came here legally or their family came here legally and they turn around and they see what's happening and they think to themselves, we had to do it the right way. And all these people are now just coming in and the audacity of these Democrat mayors and Democrat governors to turn around and go, yeah, yeah, listen, uh, I know we were sanctuary. I know we said to come. I know we told you that you're welcome here, but we didn't really mean it. And this is awkward. And. And it's, I mean, they sound like the biggest hypocrites. And then all of a sudden you have Democrats, Democrat mayors who sound a lot like Republicans do. I mean, here's the mayor of Edison, New Jersey, right? So Edison's a town up in uh, North Jersey. I don't believe there's something called Central Jersey. I don't believe it exists, but it's a town in North Jersey and he's a Democrat He's on News 12, New Jersey, and he's talking about this, and it's um, <laughs> it's just so emblematic of where we are in this country right now. I'm sure this guy at one point when he ran for mayor of Edison, New Jersey, and got involved in the county politics up there, since he's all Democrat up there, I'm sure at one point he said he was for sanctuary cities, and I'm sure at one point he said he believed that Trump was mean and that Trump was, uh, a, you know, inhumane with his immigration policies Till all of a sudden people get dropped off in his town. And then like every other Democrat, suddenly now he doesn't want them there. And all the stuff that he said to get elected, all those things he said about Trump being a big meanie pants and and Trump was inhumane and the border should be open and everybody has a right to come and no humans illegal and everything. It's like everything they said never, never counted. And because they're Democrats, they don't take accountability for anything. So they just pretend like everybody never heard what they said before. But we all have the receipts and everybody knows what these people said. And now you listen to this guy and you go, wait a second, is this guy a Republican? No, he's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. And much like Eric Adams and the mayor of Chicago and the mayor of Boston, the problem is not the open border. The problem is that people are leaving Texas. If they would just stay in Texas, there'd be no issue. But they're not staying in Texas. They're coming to places like Edison, New Jersey. And they're not happy about that fact. Here's a little bit of the News 12 report, Cut 10. Last year, this church helped to settle 4,000 immigrants
8: in New Jersey and in parts beyond. So the leader of this organization says that no one should be complaining about some 300 that arrived by bus in New Jersey in the last few days. So 397 people show up. I would say, so what? The biggest way you can make an issue out of it is calling that an issue. We have thousands of people who have found themselves incorporated into the state. So I think right off the bat it's a mistake to make a mountain out of a molehill. That's Seth Copperdale, who you just heard from, with the Reformed Church of Highland Park. He was speaking on the migrants on board four buses that stopped at four train stations in New Jersey. Those were Edison, Fanwood, Secaucus, and Trenton. To be exact, there were 397 migrants from the southern border. While some were met by family and left with those relatives, others boarded trains for New York City. In one of those townships, Edison, the mayor, made it very clear that he did not want immigrants, who he called illegal, sticking around in town.
7: We we don't want them in Edison. Period. That's that's the bottom line. We don't want them in Edison, and uh, I wouldn't pass the problem off. Look, this is a federal, this is a national issue that has fallen squarely on the laps of mayors.
8: To be clear, those migrants, as you said, are not so-called illegal. They were processed at the border and were allowed into the United States, and now they're looking for new homes here in New Jersey and New York. We are now waiting on more inf- information from the state of New Jersey as to what exactly should be happening should more buses land here in the Garden States.
2: So to be clear, News 12, New Jersey wants you to know they're, they're not illegal. They're, they, were, they were processed at the border. Uh, actually, here's how they were processed at the border. Ready? Here's your court date in 19 years. You have to make it to that court date. So uh, in the meantime, though, have at it. Go have fun. Enjoy yourself. You're not here legally. You are not here legally. Despite News 12 New Jersey trying to pretend like that's the case, the mayor is correct. I mean, he's a Democrat. Is a hypocrite for finally acknowledging what we've all been saying. But and it's his party that caused this problem, and it's his party that's in charge and could do something about it at the border. And it's his party that's not allowing Texas to actually stop the problem. I mean, Texas puts a barbed wire, and Joe Biden orders the barbed wire to come down. Texas puts these barriers in the river so that people can't cross, and 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 the state and the federal government comes in and tells texas to take the stuff out of the river so it's his party he could he could call the president and tell him to do something about it if he wanted to but he is correct they are illegal immigrants they are not here legally the difference though is that this administration got rid of the remain in mexico policy so you cross the border illegally they don't throw you back they let you stay they give you a court date 19 years in the future or i mean maybe it's not 19 but it's a lot it could be as long as 10 years away and they just tell you, you better be there for that or else, or else what? You don't even know where I'm going. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. And at some point, you're all going to ter- tell me that I'm eligible for asylum anyway. So why would I bother going to this court date? I'm not going to this court date. But it's funny though, isn't it? When you listen to these Democrats, I mean, it's really funny listening to these Democrats that turn around and say, we are absolutely 100% upset that these people are illegal immigrants. And they are here now in our cities. We didn't want you. And now you're here. And it's not cool. And we want you to go away. All right? We want you to go away. It's um, the ultimate... Ultimate. And, but if they just stayed in Texas, everything would be fine. You know that if they just stayed in Texas, everything would be fine. The problem is they keep leaving Texas. Damn it. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten is the number on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We got a lot to chat about today. Donald Trump expected to appeal to the United States Supreme Court. What Colorado and Rhode Island or Maine, excuse me, have decided. And what will the Supreme Court do? I have my theories on that, of course, as you can imagine. Don't go away.
1: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
2: I love this headline. Uh, USA Today. A fraying coalition. Black, Hispanic and young voters abandon Biden as the election year begins. A new USA Today Suffolk University poll. Biden's failure to consolidate his victorious 2020 support has left him narrowly trailing Trump. Now, look, obviously, uh, the reason why Black and Hispanic voters are abandoning Biden is because Biden is a terrible, terrible president. But let's think about the border situation for a second here. All right, let you think about this. I told you before, these, uh, these Democrat mayors who all have the signs up, you know, hate has no home here, no human's illegal, you've seen the signs. You saw Fat Jim Kenny doing the white man's overbite. We are a sanctuary city. Yeah, you saw that. You read that. You heard it. We played it on the show a bunch of times. Then all of a sudden, illegal immigrants show up in their cities and they turn around and act like the invitation was not real. They didn't mean it. And they're fine with open borders. They just want you to stay in Texas. And if you stay in Texas, everything will be fine. And you know, if you process that for a moment, you try and you go, wait a second, wait a second. So your, your issue is not the open border. You don't want them to actually stop anything. You just don't want them coming to your city, right? And so if, you, if Texas doesn't, I don't know what, I guess Texas should build a wall and not let people leave Texas. See, what if they want to leave Texas? Hey, what, what if an illegal immigrant doesn't want to stay in Texas? I mean, if, if you're telling me these people are not illegal, because no human's illegal and they should be allowed to be here, I and mean, what if they don't want to stay in Texas? I mean, I would, but if they don't want to, they want to go to a different place, What is what is Texas supposed to do exactly? Build a wall? So you're against walls if it's on the southern border, but if Texas builds a wall, you're okay with that. I guess if Texas puts up barbed wire to keep people in, the left would be okay with that. I mean, Texas tried to put barbed wire up. They had it up. It's their property. They had barbed wire on the southern border between Texas and Mexico and the federal government came in and took it down. So I guess if uh, Governor Greg Abbott takes that barbed wire and then puts it around Texas to keep people in, then the left would be okay with that, because they don't have to worry about these pesky illegal immigrants coming to their cities and taking all their precious resources You know, for me personally, as an Italian, I can tell you, somebody shows up in my house and I'm not prepared to host them. It's very awkward. It's awkward because I don't like if I don't have food to feed people. It's a thing. It's in my DNA and just how it is. These cities, though, they don't have the money and the resources. And there's a a little loophole here that they exposed. Fox Business had this and it's great. They, They exposed this little problem here because... In New York City, illegal immigrants are now lined up for blocks to receive free taxpayer funded housing and it's sanctuary city. So now housing is guaranteed. So if they wait in line, they can actually reapply and then be rehoused. All right. This is the little news story about this. Take a listen.
3: The concern is that people are coming in faster than we've normally seen. It's yet to be seen how much that will cost. What I can tell you is that the crisis up to this point has cost $3 billion. And as more people come, the cost continues to go up. The issue for New York is that they're not only dealing with newly arrived migrants; they're dealing with folks that have already been in New York City housing and are now being reticketed. So all of these folks already had free housing here in New York, and then they were given eviction notices, essentially 30 or 60-day notices, telling them that they have to re—they have to leave their shelter. But because this is a sanctuary city, housing is guaranteed. So if they wait in line, they can reapply and then be rehoused. And what you're seeing is this line, which. Wraps around the corner, and it has been this long all day long. But the concern is that people are coming.
2: Yeah, you know the thing about it is that again, you're showing up, and I have nothing prepared. I have nothing prepared. I don't even have a, a wine in the house to offer you. Well, that's not true. I always have that part. But this is this is the thing. And if they just stayed in Texas, there'd be no problem. It's not the open border that these Democrats are upset with. It's the fact that these people have the audacity. To leave Texas and the governor of Texas has the audacity to let them leave. Here's the uh, Chicago mayor, uh, Brandon Johnson, who actually invoked the Confederacy on Sunday, as he as he goes on to bash the governor of Texas for having the audacity to allow people to leave the state of Texas, illegal immigrants to leave the state of Texas. And somehow or another invokes the Confederacy. I don't exactly know how this applies, but whatever. It's very it's very in right now, you know, with the whole 14th Amendment thing. So cut eleven.
10: What is very clear is that not only are we providing Uh, mental health related services, as well as vaccinations and health screenings and providing um, medical health care for these families when they arrive, the moment they get off those buses, we're not seeing that same treatment on the border. In other words, there's no health screenings, no vaccinations. That process at the border is absolutely raggedy and and reckless, but we cannot have a governor who decides that he's going to uh, cling to the vestiges of Jefferson Davis when we should be uh, pulling to the hopes and aspirations that were left by Frederick Douglass. We have to have a coordinated response to this humanitarian crisis. We cannot allow chaos to dictate and to divide (laughs) this country.
2: Uh, Jefferson. What? Uh, See, again, the the problem is just Texas. If everybody you should see America should have an open border and they should do nothing about it. Let everybody come in. But they have to stay in Texas and then everybody's fine. And then it's all good. You see, this is why Biden is losing among Hispanic voters. You know, there was that story in political a couple weeks ago before I went away on break. And thanks to Michael Pelka's Stunt Brain, Matt Rooney for stepping in. They, they did a great job. And, you know, I was, I, was, uh, I was sharing this article with you back then. And it was about how Mexicans are excited for Trump's return. Mexican-Americans in places like Texas want Trump back. So you see, you've got Mexicans, you've got Democrat mayors like Edison, New Jersey, and they're all saying the same things. And they're saying the same things because when, when, when these things show up at your doorstep, it's, it, it's very easy to put a lawn sign in your yard that says, hate has no home here. When hate actually shows up, you got a problem. And when you have a sign that says, no, human's illegal. And that human shows up and that human is looking for food and shelter. And you told them to come. You invited them. You gave them an open invitation. And now it's awkward. It's very awkward for everybody, and you just want them to go back to whence they came. But you're the ones who brought them here. You told them to come. And in fact, Texas, for all of your bashing about the Confederacy, Texas tried. I mean, Greg Abbott was doing his best. It puts up barbed wire, and and the feds come in and take it down. He puts those big things like, you know, those things you can stand on in rivers and stuff. And it's kind of fun to see if you can hold your balance. He puts all those things in the river, separating the state from Mexico and the feds come in and take it away. So, I mean, like, what's what is the guy supposed to do? And why is it that the border states have to absorb every single illegal immigrant? I mean, wh- where did that be? When did that become a thing? But it's it's just it's the hypocrisy of the left where as long as it's not their problem, they'll virtue signal all day long. Uh, Jim Kenney will dance his, uh, you know, his fat behind off and sing We're a Sanctuary City until people start showing up. You know, then then suddenly now they got a problem. But I don't know where it's written that the border states have to be the ones to keep every single person here. Last month alone, in December alone, you had about three hundred and twenty three. Thousand people come into this country illegally, and despite what the News Twelve New Jersey reporter is trying to say, they are illegal. They're given court dates, and they're told to come back to court in ten years, which of course they're never going to do. But three hundred and twenty thousand people in December alone came here. Now, if you're a Hispanic voter and you did it the right way, and you're living in a place now that is being overrun by illegal immigrants, it is no surprise why you are saying you want to vote for Donald Trump. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. All right, new year, new opportunity for you to drive a beautiful new Volvo because there has never been a better time to get to Cherry Hill Volvo than right now. And I'll tell you what, when we drove up to see Bridget's family in the Adirondacks, I was really glad we had the XC90 because not only did we have all this space and we had to bring up all the gifts and everything, car was super safe. We hit some bad weather up there. No snow or ice. It was a little too warm this time around, but there was some rain and a lot of windy roads. And I know that the Volvo XC90 is super safe for the family, which is great. Whatever you want to drive, whether it's the XC40 or the XC90, or if you want to do the S-Class, at Cherry Hill Volvo, you will find an incredible opportunity right now because they are having their big renovation. And because of that, they got to make room for the equipment. In order to do that, they have already taken their incredibly generous offers and they're adding to them. So this is the best time ever to go see my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team can get the new year started off right for you. Whether it's a Care by Volvo lease, that's the program that I have through Cherry Hill Volvo, where one payment includes my insurance car, it's got the tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, excessive wear coverage, and more. Or uh, maybe you want to do a certified pre-owned. Either way, at Cherry Hill Vavo, you will find an outstanding opportunity and a wonderful offer from people who are going to take great care of you. So don't wait. You're going to love the treatment you get. You're going to love the savings you get too at Cherry Hill Vavo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter.
1: Rich Cioli, weekday afternoons, 3 till 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the Free Odyssey app.
2: All right, Harvard's president is out, and of course she's blaming racism, not plagiarism, not the fact that they allowed all this anti-Semitic crap to be done on their campuses. Uh, racism, right? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter. At Rich Zioli, I was filling in for Dana Lash earlier today from 12 to 3. So you'll get to hear that tonight at 9 o'clock, and we do the replay of that. And then uh, it was a bunch of uh, good stuff over the holiday break. I got to do Levin's show a bunch of times and Dana's show a bunch of times. So it was great. And again, my thanks to Michael Pelka and... Matt Rooney for filling in for me while I was taking a few days off because the thing about it is that 2024 is going to be insane. It is. It's going to be insane. We're about to go down a road of complete nuttery, and it's going to start with the United States Supreme Court having to deal with what Colorado and Maine have done, and it's going to just be a complete S show from now. They're going to do everything they possibly can to stop Trump. I mean everything. You have to realize that. They will do everything they can to stop him, whatever it takes. And if that means they get behind Nikki Haley, so be it. You know, if the Democrat Party gets behind Nikki Haley, they can live with Nikki Haley. And they and they just may, you know, they they may decide to themselves. This this is the scenario that worries me. 855 839 1210 on Twitter at Rich Zilly. Here's the scenario that worries me. I worry about the Democrat Party realizes Joe Biden's a loser. And they, but they're stuck with him. They, they can't get rid of him. You know, they try to, they charge Hunter Biden and they turn around and they say to the guy, listen, you know, if you don't pardon the guy and get out of the race, he's going to go to prison. He's going to drop a dime on you. And Biden doesn't care. They can't just get rid of him because you have the Kamala Harris problem and the Democrats are going to scream that you've just replaced the first black woman with some guy like Gavin Newsom and his wonderful, beautiful quaff of hair. They're not going to be happy about that. So what they may do is, honestly, they may just turn around and say, "All right, we got to stop Trump. You know, he's the problem here. He's the guy that's going to destroy this, the deep state and the swamp." Although I completely think he's he's wrong on the FBI building, but I'll talk about that later. But they got to stop him. They're going to do whatever it takes to stop him. And so maybe they just decide, well, then we'll just get behind Nikki Haley. I mean, we can live with her. You know, she's as long as she as long as she's for the war in Ukraine. That's all they care about at this point. I mean, they want power, don't get me wrong, but they, they'd rather, I think, roll the dice on her being there and working with them than him going in there like a bull in a china shop and then using all of his power as president to get revenge on these people for allowing the deep state to become so toxic that it is able to bring down a sitting president of the United States of America. You know, and so I wonder, I deep down inside, if a lot of these Democrat party brokers and and masters of the universe. Because remember something, these people all really do get along. You know, I, I know, I know. If you if you watch the, you listen to political shows, and you think to yourself that everybody in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party hate each other, and the reality is, if you go to D.C., you see it with your own eyes. They're all buddies. You know, they 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 publicly for the cameras play it all up, but. Where do you think when they're going to the Capitol Grill at night and eating very expensive steak dinners with lobbyists? You watch Mitch McConnell, how he talks about his friend Joe Biden and his friends across the aisle. I mean, these people are all in on it together. As long as they just keep getting rich, that's all they care about. Do they really hate each other? No, they're all complete. There are some that do. I mean, you have some very principled people there. Don't get me wrong. But that's not who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the people that are the, uh, the establishment types that actually run the show. You know, for them, they'll sit there at dinner with their lobbyists and they'll be Democrats and Republicans and they'll be at the same parties together. And, and that's hailed as bipartisanship. And actually all it is is just their way to keep the swamp going and to keep enriching themselves and to make sure that when they leave Washington, if they ever leave Washington, they all land on their feet. Some big board, corporation... Whatever it is. And so they're all in on it together. And if that means that they got to turn around and they got to stop Trump by working together to get a Republican in that they can live with, well, so be it. I think a lot of these same Republicans did that exact same thing to get Joe Biden in. You know, a lot of these Republicans wanted Biden over Trump in 2020. I mean, hell, a lot of them probably wanted Hillary Clinton over Trump in 2016. They just didn't think that he had a, a chance, But when 2020 came along, I mean, there's no question in my mind that for these Republican masters of the universe, they were helping Biden. You think Mitch McConnell wanted four more years of Trump? No, definitely not. And this is the problem. I mean, it's a problem with our system. It's why we need term limits. It's why we got to throw these bums out but that's why nothing changes it's why the swamp keeps perpetuating itself and it's why the power is so concentrated among a small group of people who seem to just be there forever and ever and ever and ever you know covid's a great example of this right covid's a great example i heard karine jean pierre the other day going on about how the biden economy is great everybody just needs to remember that they came out of the worst pandemic in forever and blah 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 and you know, we're all supposed to pretend like 14 million jobs were created. When actually what happened is that it blue states that it all locked down, reopened, jobs came back. And pandemic restrictions went away, jobs came back. But now the Biden administration wants you to believe they created all those jobs. So Corrine Jean-Pierre comes out and lies about that and says, we created 14 million new jobs. I know you didn't. And people know that that's BS anyway. They feel that in their paycheck. But COVID is a great example of what I mean, though, in terms of how big pharma and all these other entities, you know, they got rich and they did just fine. And a lot of people in Washington enabled all of that. They enabled the behavior. And it's a mindset too that government knows better than you and that government will keep you safe. So we condition people to believe that. I had a conversation yesterday with some friends about Skittles. Yes, the candy Skittles, about how California wants to ban them because they contain a chemical ingredient and so there you go, they want to ban them. And, you know, the debate was over the fact of, well, it's bad for you. You see, this is the problem though, right? If you condition an entire group of people to believe that government knows better than you, then the minute that something goes wrong or they pretend that something's going wrong, the minute that everybody like sheep will turn around and surrender their freedom and their liberty, whatever precious freedom and liberty they have left so today it's some ingredient in the food you know government's going to keep me safe by banning it and tomorrow it's a pandemic and government's going to keep me safe by mandating i get a vaccine or by mandating that my kids can't go to school or by mandating that i have to you know uh, my business is not essential and you condition people to believe in all this crap climate change is another great example Climate change is another great example where the government tells you what the science is. And when the government is allowed to decide what science is, there's no debate anymore. You know, you lose the ability to debate. That's why you had things like COVID mandates. There's no debate. It's, you can't debate climate change. You know, you're just called the climate denier and you're shut down. The government doesn't want you to debate. They want you to just do what you're told. And there's a lot of people in Washington who benefit from that because then those people will then go on and make a lot of money. I'll give you a great example. Scott Gottlieb is one of those people. Right, so when he was at the FDA years ago, before Trump became president, uh, he wanted to ban flavored vapes. You know, people vape, a lot of people do this nowadays. People who are smokers do this. I'm not a vapor myself. I'm a cigar guy. That's where I draw the line. But I know people, like uh, they've quit smoking and they vape. And so Scott Gottlieb is the FDA administrator. Well, what he wanted to do was ban those flavored vaping products because they were bad for you, you know? And Trump came in and that went away, thank God. That whole plan went away. But Gottlieb wound up being, you know, he's on a board. He's on the board of Pfizer now and he's making all kinds of money and he's, he's, he's doing just fine. You know what I mean? He's doing just fine. The Biden administration right now wants to ban menthol cigarettes, Now, the argument is that menthol cigarettes, they prey on poor black people. And because uh, obviously poor black people can't think for themselves and make decisions for themselves, the government has to come along and ban a perfectly legal product for their own good. And there are a lot of people that support these things. They support these bans because they've been conditioned to believe that if something is bad for you, the government knows what's best. And so that's why when you turn around one day and go, wait a minute, are you telling me they were actually trying to ban my gas stove? Yes, because your gas stove is bad for you. You see, if you're asthmatic or you might have a kid who has asthma or just in general for the air, for the climate, it's bad. So we have to ban it. And we have to ban gas cars too. See, It's a mindset. It's a mentality. You condition people (laughs) excuse me, to believe that this is all for their own good. And then eventually they just turn around and give up their freedom and their liberty, whatever precious freedom and liberty is left because they think that somebody there is protecting them. Meanwhile, when you peek behind the curtain, you realize that all these people who are the ones that control all this stuff wind up getting really, really rich. Why is that? You know, why? why, How is it that they keep getting rich and they keep benefiting from this system? And a big part of the reason for that is because somebody is always going to win. If you lose, somebody will win. Here's what I mean by this, right? I ban your gas stoves. That's okay because whoever makes electric stoves will do just fine. If I ban gas cars, well, then the companies that make the, uh, the electric cars, well, they'll, they'll do just fine. And the government will give them all kinds of money to pay for all these very flammable batteries. And they'll put billions of dollars of subsidies to build these battery plants. And they'll take your tax dollars and they'll just use it for that. If I ban menthol cigarettes because I tell everybody it's bad and it's okay, it's all right because they'll switch to other brands and big tobacco will do just fine and big tobacco will find other ways to make money and and whoever's in Congress or the FDA or the CDC will wind up working for one of these companies as either a lobbyist or an attorney or maybe on the board, like how Scott Gottlieb wound up being on the board of Pfizer. It's okay. It's all good. I mean, they're going to do just fine. The government will grow its power over you as an individual. Like a sheep, you'll turn around and believe it's all for your own good. So when they tell you in a few years that you can't eat meat, you'll already be primed for this. You know Because when they said they were going to ban Skittles, you were like, ah, it's a stupid candy, who cares? And this is a bad chemical, so uh, yeah, take it out of the food supply. I'm good with that. And then in a few years, they turn around and say, you can't eat meat because it's bad for the environment and it's bad for you, you know, heart disease and blah, blah, blah. And you'll turn around and you'll say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, the research disagrees with that. The research shows that actually if you eat more of a uh, caveman diet or an omnivore or, you know, whatever the, the fancy term is that the kids are using today for a diet that's high in protein or something, actually, you know, your cholesterol will go down, your blood pressure will go down, you'll be good. But you see, the government won't allow you to debate that. It's like debating a gas stove. You won't be allowed to. Debating the merits of driving a car that's powered by gasoline. You can't because they've decided the science for you. So when these things turn around and they say to you at some point, well, you you have to limit your meat consumption or there's going to be a meat tax. I mean, what do they do in Philadelphia with the soda tax, right? Right. They said that soda, which is bad for you, was directly impacting poor people. So a lot of poor people were drinking sodas. So Philadelphia said to deal with that, we're going to create a soda tax. Now, we all know what that is. It's just another way for the government to get money. And it disproportionately affects people that drink soda who happen to be poor in some of these neighborhoods. Other people who have the means will just get in their car and drive someplace else and buy soda where they want to and not pay the stupid sugary drink tax, which is never really about protecting you from soda. It's just another way for the government to get more money. It's like the liquor by the drink tax or whatever else it is. The, I told you years ago, you know, we did a whole campaign back when I was on afternoons the first time around where I was trying to encourage people to start smoking cigarettes for the children, you know, for the children, because it's, it's what, what see, the, the, the tax on cigarettes helps fund the schools. And when Jim Kenney became mayor, he said, we have to raise the price of a pack of cigarettes by a dollar because it's bad for you. And we have to try to get people to stop smoking because it's bad. And I asked the question, why don't you just ban cigarettes? I remember Rush Limbaugh asked that question one time, too. He said, if cigarettes are so bad, why don't they just ban them? But the thing about it is, though, they want the revenue, you see. They need the revenue, and so they'll just keep raising the taxes on a pack of cigarettes. So I actually said at the time, smoke them if you got them for the children. And if you don't smoke, you should start smoking so that you can help fund the schools, because that's what you need to do if you're a good person. You know, if you're a good person, you should be doing that stuff. And it's like any other tax, right? I mean, any other tax has some some little hidden benefit to help somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, there's this great meme today I saw about California. They said, um, here's California, a state that never had slavery. And they're going to take people who never owned slaves. They're going to take their money and give it to people who were never slaves. That's kind of the mindset right there. But the redistributionist aspect of all of this comes from the fact that we have become conditioned to two things. The first one is, government will always keep us safe. And the second one is, that if something's bad for me, but it's not banned, and it's heavily taxed and heavily regulated, that's okay because somebody else will benefit from that and you got to turn around and say wait a minute wait like what do you mean well if there's a meat tax you know if i'm eating a lot of red meat it's not good for me so they won't ban it but they'll tax it and then they'll use that for climate change and the children and maybe the seniors too will get some of that and it's okay i'll i'll do my part i'll eat more steak i'll eat more chicken but you just said it was bad for me yeah but yeah but now the taxes will offset that because now you're helping people by paying the meat tax you know like the cigarette tax like the alcohol tax like the whatever other tax and you got to just question the logic of all this and go wait a second so you'll ban menthol cigarettes but not all cigarettes why not i mean if menthol cigarettes are bad how come i mean it's still a cigarette why would the others not get banned the Biden administration will turn around and say, well, because the menthol cigarettes disproportionately target poor black people. And then a lot of these groups that represent people who are black smokers turn around and go, well, that's racist. I mean, how come we're not allowed to, to smoke what we want, but then white people can? I mean, if it's bad, you just ban it. Why don't you just ban cigarettes altogether? And the answer is because they need the revenue. They need the money. And nothing that the left does ever makes any sense at all. I mean, there's no logic behind any of this stuff. But there's a mindset where government has to do things for your safety and for your own good. And I think, I really do, I think sometimes they sit around and every now and then have to find something else to ban to remind you that they have the power to do it. Because if they don't do it, you'll forget. And maybe someday you'll actually put up a stink about it, you know. It's like when years ago when they tried to ban flavored vaping products, and I remember saying on the show, everybody needs to call the White House and tell President Trump to stop this because a lot of his voters either smoked and now use vapes or they just like freedom and knock it off. And they did. And people called, you know, and they said, stop this ban. The ban went away. There was no basis for banning blueberry vapes or boysenberry vapes or whatever. I mean, it made no sense, right? Vaping would be legal, but flavored vaping would be bad. But there's no logic. It's just that we have to exercise our power and our control all the time. Because when the time comes that we need to ban gas cars and gas stoves and we need to ban meat and make you eat bugs or whatever the hell it's they want to do, or we need to keep you in your homes or keep your kids at home or make you take a shot. Not a, I don't mean like a shot of fireball, I mean like a shot of like a like a covid shot. You have to do it. You'll do it, you see. It's very similar to what they did after 9/11 when they turned around and they said, "For your own good, we're going to read your emails and listen to your phone calls and know everything you're doing because you might be somebody might be a terrorist and we got to protect you from that." It's the same mindset. It really is. And to prove that point, here's Francis Collins. Francis Collins is the former head of the National Institutes of Health. And he talked about how during COVID, there was massive unnecessary collateral damage that was done. And the reason for this, of course, was because the elites who control everything made all the decisions for us. And this guy is one of the absolute worse because Collins at the time was all in on lockdowns and all in on mandates and he was all in on these things. So now he has to actually acknowledge, you know, a little bit late to the game, right? He has to acknowledge now, you know, that maybe our strategy here had some backlash to it. You know, maybe there's a little bit of backlash. So here's Francis Collins discussing this Cut 16.
10: As a guy living inside the Beltway, feeling the sense of crisis, trying to decide what to do in some situation room in the White House with people who had data that was incomplete, we weren't really thinking about what that would mean uh, to Wilk and his family uh, in Minnesota, a thousand miles away from where the virus was hitting so hard. We weren't really considering the consequences in communities that were not New York City or, or, or some other big city. The public health people, we talked about this earlier, and this is a really important point. If you're a public health person and you're trying to make a decision, you have this very narrow view of what the right decision is and that is something that will save a life. Doesn't matter what else happens. So you attach infinite value uh, to stopping the disease and saving a life you attach a zero value to whether this actually totally disrupts people's lives ruins the economy and has many kids kept out of school in a way that they never right, quite require collateral from. damage so there you, yeah collateral, collateral damage collateral. this is a public health mindset and i think a lot of us involved in trying to make those recommendations had that mindset and that was really unfortunate that's another mistake we made
2: No, really. See, that's so funny because during that whole thing, I was saying all those things like, you know, the collateral damage you guys are causing to the economy, to the kids, to the uh, to mental health, to addiction, all those things. But they don't want to hear it because you're not allowed to debate them. And this is the point. You're not allowed to shut up and do what you're told and shut up and listen to the science and sit down and shut up because we're trying to save your life here. Okay. We're trying to save your life, you ungrateful SOB. And they don't have this problem in China, you know. You know, in China, they don't have this problem because people there are good. And they do what they're told. Here's Francis Collins going on about how so much better in China. Cut 17.
10: China didn't have a problem with politicians disagreeing with the leadership, <laughs> nor, nor did they have a media problem. But we sure had every possible voice, many of them with all kinds of intentions that were not noble, uh, ready to capitalize on a circumstance where there was uncertainty and resentment and anger and fear and whip that up in the biggest way.
2: Yeah, imagine that. You know, it's just so pesky, that old freedom thing, isn't it? You know, because here we are trying to save your life and you have the audacity to disagree with us and tell us that maybe the things that we're doing are going to lead to bad outcomes. So shut up and sit down, be quiet. We know what's better for you. We know what's best for you and we're trying to keep you safe and we know science and you don't get to disagree with us. Sit down. Be like China. And sit down and shut up. Here's Francis Collins flashback now singing during the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> from <laughs> By the way, where did you find where did you fi- I got to ask you Matt the executive producer. where did you find this anyway? Uh,
11: the singing? Yeah. Oh, this, is a, this is classic Francis Collins. I, much like Eric Swalwell, if he's even tangentially uh, featured in the news, I'm going to put him on the show sheet so I can play the infamous clip. Francis Collins, if he's even remotely newsworthy, I'm going to put him on the show sheet so we can play this soundtrack.
2: Oh, good. I like this now. This is good. I don't think I've heard this song in quite some time. So, excellent. We have an excuse now to play (laughs) one of Matt DeSantis' favorite clips of Francis Collins singing Somewhere Past the Pandemic (laughs) from November of 2021 as the National Institute of Health Director, Cut 18. Somewhere.
10: free There's a life I remember full of activity Somewhere past the pandemic no quarantine We'll all stay well and healthy thanks to a safe vaccine Thank God these shots came very fast, so all my fears are now behind me. My family now can leave our home, visit stores and freely roam. Forgetting how we hate it soon
2: <laughs> Somewhere past the pandemic oh, It's very catchy I'll hug my friend <laughs> And thank
10: the science and people That brought the pandemics in Yeah But though we're doing oh. better here he's not over those other countries cries we hear they're
1: our family
2: too oh they're a family too oh good to know well bra- bravo bravo bravo. i and if I could get the whole CD of all of his hits <laughs> that would be so appreciated I would love that all those other countries are our family too. You got that? There you go. Uh, my favorite is when he, he took the New York, New York, but he made it into um, China, China. So it's all about like how great China is. You know, it's like Beijing, Beijing. You know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And all you got to do to make it there is just submit to the will of government and. Give up your freedom and you'll be fine. So, you know, sit down and shut up. Uh, All right. (laughs) 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We got a lot of shows, breaking news all over the place. Uh, The president of Harvard has officially stepped down. We'll talk about that as well. And I want to tell you about my friends at Emmons Roofing and Siding because they are fantastic. I'm so grateful for the work Emmons has done all these years for me and my home you know, we've been using Emmons for about six years for ver- various projects from the roof, which was the first thing we used them for. And then we did, they did such a great job. We said, let's do the windows, doors, siding. And now Emmons is in the remodeling uh, aspect of home improvement as well. So we used them for our kitchen and our bathroom remodeling. And they did a fantastic job. See, Matt and his wife, Stephanie, are dedicated to great customer service, getting the job done right, on time, on budget, cleaning up when they're done, making sure you're happy. That's why I so highly recommend them. You can visit the Emmons Design Showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, if you like, or go to EmmonsRemodeling.com and see their great bathroom and kitchen remodeling projects. And also, remember, they serve our entire region. They serve Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Uh, and the Delaware Emma Jersey Shore. And if you have a shore house, you should really get that roof looked at this winter before, I think they're saying we may get a big snowstorm coming up this weekend. Winter weather is really tough on shore homes, so have Emmons take a look. They'll never tell you you need a new roof if you don't, but if you do, trust the team. They will take great care of you. Just go to EmmonsRoofing.com or EmmonsRemodeling.com and trust the company that I trust, EmmonsRoofing.com
1: the only show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the Free Odyssey app.
2: I like Francis Collins' version much better. <laughs> but that's me. I've been accused of having bad taste before. Speaking of which, by the way, is we do the uh, cut sheet as we call it, although I I don't we don't really call it a cut sheet anymore since the morning show stole my intellectual property. <laughs> and continues to use it we're legally
11: not allowed to call it a cut sheet otherwise we'll get an email
2: yeah i think you know, that's exactly what will happen i'll get an email about it so we now just call it what do you, what do you how do you refer to it actually what do you say
11: i just call it our show sheet
2: show sheet yeah, yeah just a show sheet and we don't have anything like what's on the show sheet i mean you know <laughs> right? so and i don't need that and you know let them have their fun in the morning <laughs> It's all good. But I, what I did notice though last night was even though yesterday morning, I got up at seven o'clock in the morning on new year's day, uh, still drunk and got dressed, put on a suit, went into Philadelphia and had to deal with the mummers parade closures, went on Fox news and I, my clip went viral, you know, it went on Grabian and it got picked up and people played it and which is cool. However, last night as I was getting ready to go to bed and I looked at the show sheet that Matt DeSantis sends over every night and I'm reading through all the audio, I notice I'm not on there. I didn't even make the audio of my own show with my viral Fox News clip.
11: Well, I figured we didn't need the audio since we had the host. You could just repeat what you said.
2: Yeah, but it's better if I play the clip because then it sounds, re- I don't know, cooler. Like, Wow. <laughs>
11: it wasn't an indictment of what you said it was just why do we need to play a clip of rich zioli on the rich zioli show it makes no sense
2: no it makes perfect sense if we can play it, wait well but playing francis collins singing that makes sense that was a hit
11: i we got a lot of people responding wow. on social media they enjoyed it or, or yeah, they at least a, heard that it That
2: was a hit that's true that was a hit and i'm waiting for him in concert that's gonna be great <laughs>
11: bringing
12: tomatoes to that concert do
2: you know my by the way my wife danced with her father at the, for that uh, at our <laughs> wedding for no not the francis Collins song to that Uh-oh. one the um no <laughs> <laughs> i thought you meant the francis collins song no, I, no we got married in 2008 i don't think francis collins started his singing career until covid so
11: i don't know he's pretty talented he must have been practicing for quite some time
2: he, he might have had a cover band uh and then my friend uh well our, our our VP of sales, he he danced with his mom at his wedding to Francis Collins's rendition of uh <laughs> no, to the other guy. <laughs> what's his name? Uh Israeli uh Kwakamakaduki. What's how do you yeah, say it?
12: I, I, I have no idea. <laughs>
2: yeah.
12: Israel try <tried laughs> to pronounce Kama, it. Kamaka I don't know. Yeah,
2: I don't I don't think any of us are saying Good it effort. even close to being right. Like not even remotely right. <laughs> I'm trying to say close. it phonetically.
12: I, I, don't, I still don't think that's right.
2: But it's a beautiful version. It's not Francis Collins beautiful, but it's beautiful. You know, it doesn't remind everybody that all the foreign countries are our family, too. But nevertheless... Is a beautiful version. But I, so I'm sitting there yesterday and I got all these people sending me notes and hey, congrats, your clip went viral talking about Biden and people are writing it up. And like Levin's producer, he put it on Rumble. Like it was, but my own producer <laughs> doesn't even put it on my own show sheet. I didn't know you wanted it.
11: Just a little background information. Rich sent it to me uh, yesterday afternoon and I thought,
2: no, no, I didn't. Big Dan sent it.
11: You sent it to me, too, though, and I, I thought you just wanted to make sure that I had seen it, and I thought, I thought you were saying, oh, wow, look, I'm, I've gone viral. This is pretty cool. I didn't know you sent it to me because you wanted me to throw it onto the show sheet. Well,
2: there's two things here about why I sent it to you. Number one was the fact that I sound incredibly sober, even though clearly my blood alcohol <laughs> level was way too high. Uh, Legally, And number two was the fact that it went viral, so there you go. You know what I mean?
11: Well, we have it if you would like to hear yourself on your own show.
2: I'd like to know if they played it on the morning show today. Did Kale play it, or did that not make the cut sheet?
11: I'll be honest. I was not up at 6 a.m. on
2: the cut sheet? (laughs) Did that make it or no? I don't know. I didn't wake up that early. I would assume not, though. Probably not, right? Why would they put me on their... A little cut sheet. If you there, didn't
11: right? make your own cut sheet, what are the chances you made theirs?
2: That's a fair point. <laughs> That's a good point. It's an excellent, actually, yeah. Uh, all right, well, here's me. Uh, <laughs> it starts with just, Biden, though. It starts with you Biden. You know what it is? I it, I have a hard time doing this because there was a host on the station years ago. I'm not going to say his name. It, it It's like, it, it rhymed with like, um, like <laughs> and He would go on and he'd play his own clips all the time this is what I said on MSNBC yesterday and I I always found it to be incredibly egotistical but I don't care I'm going to do it anyway because you know it's like when I when he did it I thought it was egotistical when I do it I think it makes perfect sense to bring it to everyone's attention you know that's the difference right there I think
11: I'm not following the logic but I I,
2: (laughs) there's no logic at all whatsoever it's the you know it's clips for thee but not for me or whatever uh, but I'm sure that on tomorrow's, what's on the cut sheet, they still won't play it even though they had a host go viral on the station. Why would they? Why Why do it? You know what I mean?
11: I'm going to leave it in their folder so that they play it by accident.
2: Good. Let them play. I mean, look, if they're already stealing my intellectual property, they may as well play one of my clips. <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. Uh all right. So here's what I said. <laughs> I, I, really do. I feel I this is so spircottish right now. It really is. I mean I should just shave my head and get it over with. Uh all right, here's me <laughs> on Fox News yesterday. This clip went viral. Uh except the only people who heard it were people that are not associated with Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. <laughs> Actually, Opelka played it yesterday when he filled in for me. Thank you, Michael Pelka. Thank you for playing this on my show yesterday. But in case you missed it, here here we go. Go ahead.
5: Next year.
2: So he says, we'll be back next year. I wasn't
0: entirely sure what he meant about that. Uh, but, you know, does it mean he really likes where they were on vacation there in the tropical location? Or, or is it about the election that he wants to get back out there and, and win the next election? Your thoughts on kind of that uh, a very short little statement on his on his way
13: as his vacation is wrapping?
2: You know, Molly, I have to wonder, is the biggest state that Joe Biden's staying at in St. Croix, is that worth more than Mar-a-Lago was valued at? I'm I'm just curious, you know, because I think, well, Mar-a-Lago was valued at, what, $9 million? I think this house is worth something like $40 million. Also, the guy who owns it, big media guy, you know what I mean? Biden is once again showing how completely out of touch he is. And is he really even running for re-election? He's down in St. Croix. Last time I checked, there's not a lot of electoral votes in St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. He's not even pretending to hit the campaign trail. So for Joe Biden doing a pre-recorded interview with Ryan Seacrest, it just sounded so robotic last night. And, you know, luckily, nobody was really paying attention to it. But this is going to be a year for Democrats to have to ask this honest question. Do they really want Joe Biden to be their nominee? Do they really want this guy to be on the ballot? Because as bad as he is right now, Molly, it's only going to get worse. And if he's got a debate on a general election stage this coming fall, it is not going to go well for him. That's why I think so many Democrats right now are turning around and saying, we got to do something. It's why people like David Axelrod are coming out Mm -hmm. there and saying this guy can't win. You've got Bill Maher saying it. You've got all these other Obama people coming out now and saying Joe Biden can't win. They don't know what to do. They're stuck because of Kamala Harris, but they know that he is a disaster in the making and they're really worried about this in 2024. We are they be. To the- See that? A disaster in the making. Now, I played that. Yes, it's a profound political statement, but mostly because I managed to sound sober at 9.15 a.m. on New Year's Day when I was <laughs> <laughs> drinking till about 8.45 a.m. on New Year's Day. So that's really why I wanted to play it, for that purpose more than anything else. It was like that scene in Princess Bride where he's just taking his head and dunking it in just barrels of water until finally, enough, you know what I mean? That's how what they had to do to me before I went on the air. (laughs) And then the minute that they said I was clear, because that's what they do. I was in the studio in Philly, and they tell you back in New York, they go, okay, you're clear. The minute they said that, I threw up. (laughs) So, you know...
12: you had your Michael Jordan flu game here.
2: <laughs> that's what it was right there. It was, uh, it was more of an Irish flu, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's why I wanted to share that more than anything else. I forgot even about it, too. The funny thing about it is they'd asked me if I wanted to do it <laughs> a week ago, and I did, the, I, did I did. a hit uh, last week on Fox, uh, Fox News, and then I forgot about yesterday's hit, And sometimes the night before, they'll send a reminder with your topics, and they didn't do that. And so New Year's Eve, we're all having fun, everything like that. I went to bed 7 o'clock in the morning. I looked at my phone, and I saw that, and I said, I got to go on TV in two hours. This is not good. You know, nothing good is going to come from this. But somehow it went viral. So there you go. You know,
11: you should when be you drunk least more. It. Yeah, you should be drunk more frequently on television. Evidently, good things happen.
2: Or uh, on radio as well, right? I mean, you <laughs> saw the ratings memo.
11: Yeah, that is true. We are doing it's well.
2: Huge. Chicks dig me. I mean, the what? Where did that come from? It's
11: in. It's in the numbers.
2: <laughs> it's in the numbers.
11: <laughs> we were doing well with basically every demographic, though.
2: I you just I, latched I, onto yeah. that one, though. But I, but, but I really look at that ratings number. And I, I, I read it out loud yesterday, and I said, "Wow!" I said, "Chicks dig me." <laughs> look at that. Because <laughs> our numbers with women are quite good.
11: That should have been the headline on the email from management. <laughs> Chicks dig Rich ole.
2: Speaking of that, beautiful women rocking the Zeoli Army wear. I want to thank Sharon. She put out a picture of her in her Zeoli army, Kelly green hoodie that her husband bought her for Christmas. So thank you for wearing that for us, Sharon. We appreciate it very, very much. Uh, And very nice of your husband to buy that for you. We appreciate that you are a marketing department. So thank you. Uh, It means a lot. It really does. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Trump has officially appealed the main ballot ban before the United States Supreme Court. This is breaking news. It's just happening right now as we speak. I'll bring you all the details on that. Harvard's president resigns, and the usual suspects, of course, are all screaming racism. Wait till I tell you what Al Sharpton and Ibram X. Kendi are both saying as they scream about racism, and the appeal from Donald Trump. It's a big day. It's breaking news all over the place. Don't go away.
1: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the Odyssey app.
2: We are watching uh, right now some breaking news. Former President Donald Trump officially appealing the decision by the Secretary of State of Maine to ban him from the ballot. So that is going before the United States Supreme Court. I imagine the court will grant cert on that uh, and take it up in uh, no time at all. So good. Uh, And I think this is an easy decision for the United States Supreme Court to make. They don't even have to get into the 14th Amendment Section 3. They can But I think the larger question here is where was the due process for Donald Trump? You don't get to just decide somebody's guilty because you saw something on TV. That's not how it works in this country. I mean, I think O.J. did it, but the jury disagreed, and there you go. That's how it works in this country. You have to have a trial. You have to have criminal charges, and you have to have due process. And he had none of those things. Certainly not in Maine. I don't think he had it in Colorado either, although that's the argument that the Colorado Supreme Court would make if the uh, their solicitor went before the Supreme Court. But Maine, this was literally a situation where the Secretary of State turned around and said, I've decided he committed an insurrection. Well that's that's nice. I mean, good for you. You should be proud of yourself, but you don't get to just decide that. That's just not how it works. You know, there's this pesky due process thing in the Constitution. And again You know, they don't have to worry about this in China. They just decide people's guilt. But in America here, we actually do use due process, or at least we're supposed to, even if we see it happen on TV, even if we think we know the person's guilty. It doesn't change the fact that they have due process rights. It doesn't change the fact that this is a federal crime, potentially, and there have not even been federal charges yet let alone a federal trial, let alone a federal verdict. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Remember something. The um, special counsel, Jack Smith, got a very, very nasty Christmas present right before we left for a break. It was a Friday afternoon. It was the last day that I was on the air. So it was, I think, the 23rd, if I'm not mistaken. And right at the very end of the day on that Friday, the Supreme Court came out and said, we are not going to hear your request to fast track Trump's immunity issues. So the question, of course, being, were his actions regarding January 6th subject to presidential immunity? And the Supreme Court of the United States said, we're not going to hear this. It has to go through the circuit court process. In doing so, what they did was they told the special counsel, guess what, pal? Your whole little stunt to try to get this case on national television before Super Tuesday, is not going to happen. Because in order for the process to occur before there can even be a trial regarding Donald Trump and his election denialism and then January 6th, whatever charges the special counsel throws at him, you first have to deal with the question of presidential immunity. Whatever the circuit court in D.C. decides is going to be appealed to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court will take their time and determine whether or not they want to hear the appeal. And if they do, then there's more time on top of that. So you see, Jack Smith got a very, very nasty uh, Christmas gift by the Supreme Court. His whole thing was, I want to see this trial happen before Super Tuesday. I want it to be on national TV to the best that it can. Can't have cameras in federal courtrooms, but at least the coverage would be there. And now it's not going to happen. There's no chance of it happening. Now, there's actually a chance this may not even happen before the election. You get into a certain window where you get too close to election day and the court does not like the idea of somebody being on trial. The Justice Department has an unwritten rule where 90 days before an election, you, you wouldn't even uh, pursue, those, uh, pursue that trial anyway. Uh, it's very possible now that all this will get kicked down to 2025 in which case then if Trump's president, he's just gonna pardon himself, which he should do because then it goes away. Now, I would expect if the court comes back and says Donald Trump has not had any due process, I would expect the special counsel to add charges to the already to, to the already extensive federal indictment, charging him with inciting an insurrection or giving aid and comfort to those who have, meaning the proud boys who were convicted of seditious conspiracy he'll add charges to that. But you're still not going to hear that case, because it's still going to be wrapped up in the question of presidential immunity. And then, assuming he's found guilty of those things, then the question of the 14th Amendment Section 3 would apply, whether or not a president is included. And I told you this already, not only is the word president not there, it was there originally in the draft. The first draft of the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, not the one they went with, but the draft, the first crack at it, had the word president in there. They took it out. So the intention of the 14th Amendment, the writers, the ratifiers, all those fun people, was clearly to not include the president. And then so the court has to, they just, that's another easy one for them. That just said, the president's not included. So there you go. The issue is a complicated one as far as the process plays out. That's good for Trump and bad for the special counsel. No question about it. No doubt about it. Guy rushenthaler United States Congressman, is going to be here with me in just a few minutes. The president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, has stepped down. Uh, screaming racism from the rooftops, of course. Plagiarism was the issue that brought her down. Plagiarism. Forget the fact that Harvard was rife with anti-Semitism and all these people chanting about death to the Jews. Plagiarism is what finally got her down but actually, it was more of the fact that the alumni and the donors were the ones who said Claudine Gay has to go. She's playing the victim card. Al Sharpton is screaming about racism. Ibram X. Kendi is screaming about racism. All these people are out screaming about racism. The truth of the matter is that Claudine Gay, I'm surprised she survived this long. Carol Swain, Dr. Carol Swain, who was on the show with us, who's fantastic, she said it herself. She was plagiarized by claudine gay she was plagiarized herself and all these people who work so hard their intellectual property was just stolen by the former now president of harvard but as you would predict as you would expect because she's a black woman they are now screaming that this was racism i'll share all that with you as the show goes on as well and as joe biden's poll numbers plummet and he is a disaster just like i said in fox news yesterday As his poll numbers plummet and Hispanics and Blacks leave Joe Biden for Donald Trump, what does that mean for the Democrats as they move towards their primary? I'll give you some thoughts on that as the show progresses as well. In Philadelphia, we have a new mayor. She's declaring a crime emergency, a public safety emergency to deal with Philadelphia's crime issue. All that is straight ahead for you. We have 30 minutes of nonstop talk. Don't go away.
1: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons 3-7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution. No. Will- This is the next generation of talk Now, this is The Drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk With Rich Ziole
2: Florentine Gay is out as president of Harvard After vicious anti-Semitic protests were going on on campus Anti-Semitic speech And she defended that after years of allowing censorship and being one of the least schools of freedom of expression. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. And a vile, vicious woman that she is, she's now playing the victim card, of course, screaming that it was racism that pushed her out. And there's other people now screaming racism as well. But in particular, Claudine Gay put out a statement today, and this is what she said in her statement, and this is really, truly amazing. She actually brought up the fact that people were being racist and threatening her as her reasoning for why she had to go. Rather than take responsibility for minimizing anti-Semitism, committing serial plagiarism, intimidating the free press, and damaging Harvard's reputation, she plays the racist card. And this is, in particular, a quote from her resignation letter I will share with you. After uh, I have been subjected, frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus, is what she said. So she's she's playing the victim card here and acting that she's now a victim of, of racism. Even though that one of the people, Dr. Carol Swain, who was on the show with me a couple weeks ago, uh, who's also black, quoting Gay ripped off Carol Swain's own words. She plagiarized from Dr. Carol Swain. And Carol Swain would be an excellent, excellent president of Harvard. In fact, that's the recommendation from Wilfred Riley, because now people on the left are screaming that it should be a black woman who takes over. It really should be whoever the best person for the job is. But Wilfred Riley's point was, hey, it should be the best person for the job. But if that's your criteria, then how about Dr. Carol Swain? I mean, she'd be fantastic. But you see, she's conservative. She would never get that job. She's a conservative thinker. She's an independent thinker but she leans conservative in her thoughts and her opinions. So for that reason alone, she would never get it. The the DEI empire needs to fall, and it needs to fall hard. But CNN is even uh, covering for Claudine Gay, saying that she did sloppy attribution, not plagiarism, mind you, sloppy attribution. Here to talk about this and so many other things today it's always a pleasure to welcome back to the show the chief deputy whip for the united states house of representatives congressman guy rechenthaler guy how are you today rich doing really
14: well happy new year and
2: thanks for having me on happy new year to you my friend it's going to be a great year i think we'll start with um harvard i think if you don't mind because i know you were one of the outspoken voices uh which ultimately led to the resignation by the president of penn uh clodine gay of course resigned today as president of harvard your thoughts on that
14: I love it. Look, the left has engaged in cancel culture with Republicans for, what, the last 10 years now. So it's time that we engage with cancel culture with them. But, Rich, I got to say, just like I said with McGill at Penn, this doesn't solve the underlying issue. The underlying issue is the fact that these colleges and universities have become far too radical. They push this DEI nonsense um, and they've they've cracked down on free speech where. Um, where, where speech is viewed as violence, but calling for the genocide of Jews, that's okay. That's somehow the, the one area of free speech where they find the first amendment, all other speech. If you use pronouns incorrectly, then that's cause for you to be expelled from, from school because you're hurting somebody's feelings. But again, chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. i a, a call for genocide. That's okay because that's just you expressing your views. So, so again, I'm glad that gay is gone, I hope more of, of, of these um woke uh anti-semitic college presidents are removed it still doesn't solve the underlying problem.
2: Yeah, I know you're right about that. And it's as a as a defender of the first amendment, I had no sympathy for these college presidents when they have canceled so many speakers over the years and they have punished students for their speech and they've not allowed debate and then when you create an environment like that yes, you are held accountable for the speech that you ultimately do allow on your campus and they allowed some very vile speech after canceling conservative speakers, for example, and canceling conservative comedians. And so, yeah, no, they had this coming. I'm glad it's out there. But you brought up the DEI issue. This DEI problem that America has is diversity, equity and inclusion standard that colleges are now perpetuating. It needs to go. I mean, it's dividing this country. It's causing so much animosity. It's based in lies. And ultimately, it's trying to bring America down a road of socialism.
14: You're exactly right. And, and that's not some conspiracy theory. We know that, that after World War II, a lot of socialists and communists from Europe came over and they engaged in what was called critical theory. And it was the idea that you had to question everything in society, attack every institution. And the idea was that you could cause a socialist revolution, a communist revolution here in the United States. Well, that, that critical theory did not work until they added race as an element. Now it's critical race theory. Now that has taken legs because you you can't attack Americans on their socioeconomic status. We're way too fluid. But when they found out that you can divide us, Um, On skin color, that's really taken hold. And what's so scary is it's taken hold in these colleges and universities in the kids that are graduating. They believe in this nonsense. That's why you're seeing that's why you're seeing such a divide between older voters and younger voters in support for Israel. Overwhelmingly, older voters support Israel over Hamas. Overwhelmingly, those that are under 25 support Hamas. And it's because of the radical ideology being taught to them in these colleges and universities. And you're kidding yourself if you don't think that this radical uh, attitude is is isolated just to the Middle East and and issues with Israel. It's with all facets of society. We're in for some turbulent times, Rich, uh, moving ahead.
2: Yeah, Guy Roshenthal, you're exactly right about that. And 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 as we think about that in a larger scale, let's let's talk about the border because you know there's no doubt the left is trying to. Uh, I mean, this is an invasion of the southern border. They want the country taken over. They're enabling this to happen. I think it's funny when you listen to these mayors of these cities who are all screaming about this now after they were sanctuary cities and they just want everybody to have to stay in Texas, you know, at no point though, is Biden doing anything about this. I'm sure you saw the polling that came out, that said he's now Hispanic voters are now they're supporting Trump over Joe Biden. I think Hispanic Americans, especially ones who came to this country legally have to be just as fed up with this as anybody else. That's part of the reason for this, but The left is purposely now enabling the southern border for the purposes of completely changing America. No doubt about it.
14: Well, there's a lot of reasons why the Democrats are enabling the chaos of the southern border. I mean, what you're saying is part of it. Also, the, the corporate boards right now, the corporate overlords clearly support the Democratic Party, and they want cheap labor. And that's incredibly nefarious because you're taking to them. They want to take advantage of these workers that are coming across for cheap labor costs. Well, that exploits the illegal immigrant that's coming across who's working in the shadows, not getting paid livable wages, et cetera, et cetera. It also hurts blue collar American workers who now have their wages depressed because they're competing against illegal workers. Um, it's completely nefarious. And then you also have a whole other school of thought that America is to blame for all the ills of the world. And we owe it to the, to the world to allow open and free immigration for immigrants to come in and take part in, in, in our society. Uh, so, so you have this perfect storm of bad ideas and they're playing out at the, at the southern border. But j- Chris, just to, uh, Rich, I'm sorry, just to put, nu- just to put numbers on this, yeah. you, you had in December the highest level of illegal immigrants. You almost had a quarter of a million illegal immigrants encountered at the southern border you, in one month. You had 17 members, uh, people on the terrorist watch list. That were caught, which, Rich, that begs the question. Well, how many were not caught? They came across. It only took 19 terrorists to pull off 9/11. You just caught 17 in December, and then also in the in I believe Q3, Q4, I forget which quarter last year it was. There were more illegal entries into the United States than births in the United States of of actual citizens. Um, if you were to put all the illegal immigrants together, it would roughly be the population of Virginia. They'd have between five and seven representatives in the House of Representatives. And just, just, in, just in, I believe, December, you had a population that, that came in that was the size of Pittsburgh and Miami combined. I mean, these are staggering numbers, not 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 even to touch upon the fentanyl issue where you have three roughly 300 people a day dying of fentanyl overdoses in the United States. Again, directly attributable to the poor southern border.
2: So, Guy Rushenthaler, what are Republicans going to do about it? I mean, you're the chief deputy whip in the House. I know that uh, the speaker's trying. I know you guys are trying. I know the administration's pushing back on this. What can we do?
14: So, Rich, we've passed H.R. 2, which was that it was a very robust border security bill. The first border security security bill we passed since the mid 90s. Obviously, that didn't become law because the Senate didn't pass it. But we passed it last year. We're still in the same legislative session. What we can do is we can negotiate H.R. 2 get passed by the Senate in order for them to get, let's say, Ukraine funding or some of the spending packages that they want to pass. Uh, or are parts of HR to get that to get that to be tied to what the Senate Democrats want. That's really the only thing we can do. And then then ultimately we need to take back the White House because so many of these decisions are being made at the executive level. Where if we got rid of Biden, we got get rid got rid of Mayorkas, and we went back to the Trump era policy, Trump era policy of remain in Mexico, ending catch and release. Um, Making sure portions of that border have a wall, which helps immensely, Uh, perhaps instituting E-Verify, which would which would lead to lead to self-deportation because uh, big corporations would not be able to hire the illegal immigrants because of E-Verify. So all of that is what we can do. But that's 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 contingent upon one us playing hardball, making sure we get wins on the border for what the Senate Democrats want in other funding, again, like Ukraine, and then also us retaking the White House, expanding our majority in the the House and retaking the Senate in 24.
2: You know, the the other question and and somebody asked us this is a a, a, an important point too you know you have a lot of republicans who are unhappy with the ukraine funding because they feel as if this is never ending they feel as if this is just there's no accountability here none of this but it sounds like a fait accompli it's just going to happen it's going to keep happening do you think that changes though if trump gets elected president i i do i mean i think he's made it pretty clear that this will end if he if he wins the white house
14: For sure. And the reason is because Putin realizes that Trump, Trump means what he says and says what he means. Um, He's also incredible. Trump is willing to use military action to achieve our, our means. Remember he took out Soleimani, um, people around the world were going nuts. He actually took out a high-ranking Iranian um, uh, official. He dropped the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan to destroy their tunnel system. Within months of his uh, administration, actually might have been weeks. So this is a man that will use power to achieve our ends. And the the world was a safer place under President Trump. It was under Obama and under Biden where you had Russia invading parts of Ukraine. It was under Biden where you had the surrender of Afghanistan to the Taliban. And then you have, of course, all the saber rattling uh, with China, with the Houthi rebels, et cetera. Trump will bring uh, an end to this chaos. But getting back to the question about Ukraine, look, at the end of the day, this is this is a thousand shades of gray here. Uh, We should want to deplete Russia's military capability. I totally agree. But I also don't think that Ukrainians should be paying the price in their blood for the United States to just degrade Russia's military capability. There needs to be some kind of end goal on this war. And I find it rich, ironic and hypocritical that people that are calling for a ceasefire with Israel and Gaza are the same people that are saying whatever it takes, however long it takes, blank check given to the Ukrainians. Um, it, it's, it's a complete double standard, which shows the hypocrisy of the latter.
2: Oh, no doubt about it. But of course, Joe Biden didn't do any business in Israel, so he has no problem asking, you know, telling them what to do. But he did do business in Ukraine, so they have the receipts. He, he will never, ever put stipulations on them, and, and it'll never end as long as he's president. Well,
14: he, well, remember, he did put one stipulation on Ukraine, and that was when they had to fire a prosecutor that was investigating Burisma, the board of which Hunter Biden sat on. Uh, there's the quid pro quo. So, so the the Democrats impeach Trump for something that Joe Biden actually did. But, but you're right. Going back to Joe Biden, this guy took money from all kinds of shady, shady nations across the world: Romania, Kazakhstan, China, uh, Ukraine, which is the most corrupt, corrupt state in in Europe. And that's all going to come out during this impeachment inquiry. We're going to be able to show. Just how many times Biden met with Hunter Biden, President Biden met with Hunter Biden's uh, work associates. All the money that it was like something like fifteen million dollars in a whole bunch of shell corporations that were controlled by Hunter. Hunter who has email saying that he had to give his dad fifty percent of all his pay. Um, uh, email saying that he had to give a certain percentage that that was held for the quote unquote big guys. All this is going to come out of this impeachment inquiry, and we're going to be able to show that Joe Biden has much more in common with Whitey Bulger than he does with JFK. <laughs> I
2: love that. I love that analogy, Guy. That's great. Uh, well, good. Thanks, I mean, good. I, you know, I'm glad you guys are doing this. I think it's important. I really do. You have to get the truth out and we certainly cannot rely on the corporate media for this. I mean, I, I laugh when I hear these these Democrats go on TV and, and, and the media parrots this and says, you know, there's, there's no evidence. There's not a scintilla of evidence. I mean, the evidence is all there with Joe Biden. The problem Problem is of course is that you have the United States Department of Justice and the IRS who completely ran coverage for him and that's why the whistleblowers came forward to you guys and, and said look we know how to find this out we can we can uncover all this it's right there but they weren't allowed to and now this falls on the House of Representatives to do this because you have the Department of Justice literally play defense for the president
14: Exactly right. I mean, you have all the institutions, whether it be the DOJ, FBI, um, the, the legacy media, the corporate media, as you describe them, running interference for the Biden administration and for Hunter Biden. If, if Hunter Biden's dad was not the president right now, he would be in federal prison. Um, and just not only for tax evasion, this is a guy that avoided paying $1.4 million of taxes over a three year period. He also lied when he was purchasing a firearm about drug use, which is a punishable, which is, you end up in jail for that. So I think that the Biden, this, the protection is gonna, going to have to end when the press has to cover the impeachment inquiry and when we haul Hunter Biden in before uh, before the House to testify. So, and, and look, a, a lot of people think that the end goal has to be the impeachment of Joe Biden. The end goal is just is just airing the dirty laundry of what the Biden crime family did, and then allowing the American voters to have that. In 2020, we know through polling, through Rasmussen polling, had Americans knew about the Hunter Biden laptop, Biden would have lost the election. President Trump would be president right now. So part of what we need to do is we need to get the truth out there to the American people. We're gonna do it through this impeachment inquiry, regardless of whether the impeachment actually takes place or not.
2: I agree with you. Last question is I know you're a busy guy. Uh, Pennsylvania, obviously you uh, represent us in Congress, uh, in addition to being the uh, chief deputy whip. How important is Pennsylvania gonna be in 2024?
14: Oh, it's critically important. I mean, just if you just look at the House, first off, it's important, obviously, for the presidential um, with the amount of electoral votes we have. And uh, Trump, by the way, is ahead in Pennsylvania. But we also have three pickup opportunities in the House of Representatives. Um, I, I think two are very likely three. Three are really a play. And then as far as, far as the Senate goes, uh, we've got a great candidate in yeah. Dave McCormick uh, against Casey, and that is a win-win situation for us. Obviously, I want McCormick to win, but just us having McCormick run against Casey forces the Democrats to spend tons of money in the expensive media markets of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So they're going to drain tons of resources in in here in Pennsylvania. Which is going to make it a lot easier for us to pick up Ohio, Montana, et cetera. And I also think McCormick is going to be Casey, so we might pick it up. But either way, we force we drag them into, into an expensive battle, and, and um, it's a win win for us. So look, the the White House could likely the path to the White House could likely run through Pennsylvania, but certainly um, expand, taking the Senate and expanding the House that also runs right through Pennsylvania. Um, we are the true court, we are the true Keystone State, Rich.
2: Uh, I said last question, but I lied. I just saw breaking news. Your colleague, Elise Stefanik, is now saying that you and your colleagues in the House, uh, this is just the beginning. She's saying there's going to be big probes to come of the rot that is uh, going on on college campuses. I know you said the the DEI stuff at the start of the interview, Guy Reschenthaler. Uh, Republicans then are going to go and look into these colleges and, and try to get to the bottom of this once and for all?
14: It's a, it's about time. And look, if once Elise is on an issue, she's on that issue. She's, she's ferocious. And she's the one that really broke into the, the McGill story when she was questioning Gay and McGill and, and the others at that hearing. But Rich, there's so much we can do with these colleges and universities. For one, Why do they have tax exempt status when they're sitting on endowments that they could, they could perpetually go on yet. They're still charging these students tuition. Maybe it's time to look at exempt taking away their tax exempt status. If they're taking advantage of these, these students also, why are they not liable for for students that are getting out, having not telling them how much money they're going to have to pay in student loans and how long it's going to take to repay it? I can't buy a car or a house without a truth and lending information form telling me what the APR is, how long it's going to take, et cetera. The colleges and universities should have to say, if you major – in gender studies, you're gonna make $30,000 a year, and it's gonna take you until you're 80 to pay off your $200,000 in student loans. So why why don't we have transparency there? And then lastly, what about a student's bill of rights? How about that? If they're accepting federal funding, then we should have the First Amendment have to be applied and then have causes of actions for the students to then sue the school when their First Amendment rights are violated. And that doesn't even talk about the kangaroo courts that you have going on where, where lives are being destroyed in these kangaroo courts behind closed doors where you have no ability to cross examine witnesses, no ability to compel the production of evidence. Um, We need to end those kangaroo courts and push those cases into the criminal justice system where they, where they belong and where a defendant gets all the rights afforded to them in the constitution. That's just the start of what we should be doing, Rich.
2: Yeah, well said. I'm so glad you brought up that issue. That is incredibly important, and and it doesn't get enough coverage. Guy, I look forward to having you on a lot this year because I do agree with you. Pennsylvania, we got a real big chance here, and I appreciate all the work you're doing, my friend. Thank you very much, and we'll have you back on the show, I hope, a lot this year. Thanks, Rich. We'll do it. Happy New Year again. Happy New Year.
1: It's the 5 o'clock happy hour. The ritz Show, brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, a premier full-service resorting conference center. Grandhotelcapemay.com. dot com.
2: All right. So uh, the other, uh, you know, the, this this whole thing about Claudine Gay. I just wanted to share with you a couple things here, that uh, a couple reactions first of all. But there's also breaking news around New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. He now faces another charge. This time, it's aiding the government of Qatar, or Qatar, the Qatari government. Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey, who, don't forget, up until recently was the chairman of the very powerful Senate Foreign Relations Committee, where he was able to wield all kinds of power and influence related to your taxpayer dollars and mine in order to enrich himself and his friends, already accused of using his political influence to benefit Egypt, Newly charged, today. breaking news just moments ago with using his power to help the government of Qatar. This just came out moments ago, uh, breaking news here on the show. I told you I love being in afternoons because of all the breaking news that happens. I really do. I love it very much, and we're able to get first crack at this stuff, so... Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey, already accused of using his political influence to benefit Egypt, was newly charged on Tuesday with using his power to help the government of Qatar. Mr. Menendez, 70, was charged by federal prosecutors with accepting bribes from Fred Davies, a prominent New Jersey developer, in exchange for the senator's help securing financial backing from an investment fund with ties to the Qatari government quote from prosecutors when he accepted at least certain of those things of value uh, Mr. Davies also expected Senator Menendez in exchange to take action to benefit the government of Qatar and thereby benefit Davies who is seeking millions of dollars in investment from a fund with ties to the government of Qatar lawyers for Mr. Menendez and Mr. Davies could not be immediately reached for comment The new indictment broadens the government's allegations that Mr. Menendez, even as he served as head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, used his official position to convey benefits to foreign governments in return for hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes. Now, I often tell you that two things can be true at once in life. The first thing is that Bob Menendez is guilty as sin and everybody in New Jersey politics has always known how corrupt this guy is. I mean, it's, it's, it's just been one of those things. You know, you, we all knew it. Everybody knew it. But when I tell you that two things can be true at the same time, the only reason why the government ever went after him the first time around was because he opposed Barack Obama on the Iran deal. The second time around is when he opposed Joe Biden, on the Iran deal, which was also still Barack Obama's Iran deal. Remember, Obama gave Iran billions of dollars and pallets of cash, dropped off pallets of cash. Biden unfroze billions of dollars that belonged to Iran in exchange for really nothing, in my opinion, to enrich their nuclear program. Menendez opposed that, and then the feds went after him for allegations that, by the way, they knew about for years. For years. I mean, the New Jersey Attorney General's office had these allegations against Menendez years ago as well. And, and they need to be investigated for why they covered up for him. The point is that, yes, he's guilty. And yes, they're only coming after him because of the fact that he opposed them on the Iran deal. Two things can be true at the exact same time. And that's what we're seeing here. But this guy's dirty and he's bad. And you talk about selling out your country to enrich yourself. He did it with Egypt and with Qatar to enrich himself, gold bars and Mercedes and cash and all kinds of things. No surprise there. The other part of the story, which I think sometimes gets lost, is that Menendez is toast politically. He's done, but he's still on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He's still getting classified briefings. He is not going to be the Democrat nominee for the United States Senate in New Jersey. And that is because King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness, Governor Phil Murphy, his wife, Tammy, is now running for the United States Senate. And all the Democrat Party bosses in New Jersey are already backing her and going to give her what's known as the county line. Now, you cannot win the Democrat nomination unless you get the county line. There are some of these counties, Hudson County and Camden County and some others where if you don't get that line, you're dead. You're toast. And Menendez will not get that line because the king controls the purse strings and these county chairs, many of them also are involved in business and they enrich themselves quite a bit. And they are never going to cross the governor because the governor controls all the funding. So the, so his wife, Tammy Murphy, the first lady of New Jersey, who also has the benefit of having her voice in all these public service announcements and sits there acting like an elected official announcing her, her proposed legislation to deal with whatever nonsense she's peddling, even though she's not an elected official. She will have the benefit of that. The king's backing. Menendez will not go anywhere. He will not step down. He doesn't have to. In fact, they don't want him to. Murphy wants Menendez there, he doesn't want to have to appoint his wife. He doesn't want to have to do that. So when you hear guys like John Fetterperson come out and say, when Senator John Fetterperson of Pennsylvania says, Bob Menendez should go, and somebody made the comment to me, they said, Rich, don't you see? They want him gone so that Murphy can appoint his wife. No, he doesn't want to do that. Murphy wants to be president someday. And he thinks with that new rug that he has stapled on his head, he can get there. And he doesn't want to have to deal with the political fallout, even though Democrats really never have any, of having appointed his wife to the U.S. Senate seat. And he doesn't need to because, like I said, he controls all these powerful Democrat county chairs in New Jersey. So come June, when the New Jersey primary happens, Tammy Murphy will be the Democrat nominee. Bob Menendez will run off the county line and he will lose and Tammy Murphy will be the United States Senator for New Jersey, unless a Republican wins. And I'm not saying a Republican cannot, it's just that a Republican hasn't won a Senate seat in New Jersey since the 1970s. And obviously, with a general election going on, in a blue state like New Jersey, if Trump is on the ballot, it's going to be a big challenge. I'm not saying it can't be done, I'm just simply saying to you, regardless, Tammy Murphy will be the nominee. And this is also part of the corruption of New Jersey that is just, you know, astronomical. But... Just remember this as we speak, right now, Bob Menendez, now with a new charge, this time helping the government of Qatar, after he was already charged with helping the government of Egypt to enrich himself personally, selling out the United States of America. As we speak, still sits on the very powerful Senate Foreign Relations Committee and still gets classified briefings, even on matters related to Israel, which, by the way, both Egypt and Qatar have a lot at stake with what's going on in that region of the world. And that is just an outrage, an absolute outrage of the highest degree. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten is the number if you want to weigh in on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Listen, I want to tell you about Cooper University Healthcare, because the entire Azuli family trusts Cooper with our healthcare. Baby Reagan was born at Cooper Hospital. I had my diverticulitis surgery there this past summer. They took great care of me. And for all of life's everyday urgent care needs, remember, Cooper Urgent Care is staffed by the very same physicians and nurses and providers who work at the leading region's number one trauma center, level one trauma center. At cooper university hospital they're the very same providers you'll see at cooper urgent care and we took baby reagan there well now toddler reagan she had a double ear infection just a couple weeks ago bridget took her to cooper urgent care and they did a great job and they saw her quickly and she was on her way to recovery which was great and cooper of course has the the md anderson cancer center at cooper where they are doing life-saving work on cancer care the cooper neurological institute where they're changing the game when it comes to stroke, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, all kinds of innovative neurological science. That's the key about Cooper. They are compassionate, they are complete, and they are on the cutting edge of science. That is why they are so regarded both regionally, nationally, and internationally. So get an appointment today with more than 75 specialties for you and your family by calling one 800 8 cooper or go to cooperhealth.org, cooperhealth.org.
1: The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
2: Uh, Matt DeSantis, you were saying to me during the break something about your, uh, your institution of higher learning, Harvard... Uh, you were mentioning something, that there's something related to Claudine Gay's resignation. What was that now?
11: Uh, that it may have been in part due to the insane drop in early admissions applications, uh, down 17%. Mm-hmm. And I know um, the billionaire, uh, Bill Ackman, last week he had said that the university sort of was pushing her to resign, but there was a threat of a lawsuit uh, but anyway, they've ended up losing an estimated one billion dollars in donations at this point, and now the reduction in uh, early admission applications uh, seems like that may have played a role in her uh, in her ouster.
2: Interesting, very interesting. Well, I have some reactions here to share. Uh, let's start with Al Sharpton, shall we? So, Al Sharpton came out and said the following. Uh, regarding the uh, ouster of Claudine Gay. He said, um, Al Sharpin expressed disappointment in Claudine Gay's resignation in a statement to CNN, blaming a relentless campaign against her led by the financier, Bill Ackman. This is an attack on every black woman in this country who's put a crack in the glass ceiling, Sharpin said, adding that his organization, the National Action Network, would picket outside Ackman's New York office on Thursday. Of course, he doesn't mention that Dr. Carol Swain, who was on the show with us right before Christmas, uh, who's also a black woman, said that Claudine Gay needs to go because of, uh, among many reasons, she also plagiarized Dr. Carol Swain. So, of course, they don't mention that, though. You know, it's just, it's just they, they don't... And then they will never say, well, here's a great idea. Let's have Carol Swain take over for... Claudine Gay. They'll never do that. Here's another uh, reaction. This is from... Let's see here now if I can find this one. This is from Ibram X. Kendi. He's the uh, anti-racist activist. Uh, he exploded following Harvard University President Claudine Gay's resignation, writing, quote, racist mobs won't stop until they topple all black people from positions of power and influence, who are not reinforcing the structure of racism. What these racist mobs are doing should be obvious to any reporter who cares about truth or justice as opposed to conflicts and cliques. Of course, he is one of the biggest race baiters in America. And that was tweeted out by Simon Atiba, who is the chief White House correspondent of Today News Africa in Washington, who also happens to be a black man who was never called on by... Corrine Jean-Pierre at the White House. Uh, these, the, 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 It's the usual race-baiting, victimhood narrative. They, and, and, and these people, they had no problem with the fact that this president of Harvard was allowing all of this anti-Semitism on her campus, these anti-Semitic protests and uh, people chanting for you know the extermination of Jews, which is you know this chant from the river to the sea, which literally means the destruction of Israel. They had no problem with any of that. And They had no problem with the fact that Claudine Gay was ripping off the thoughts of intellectuals like Dr. Carol Swain, who's a black woman. They had no problem with that either. But the minute that she's held accountable, it's it's racism, and and they have to scream from the rafters and scream from the rooftops that this is racism, and it's just so it's it, it's it's the same tired narrative. Uh, alumni, donors, and future students spoke with their wallets. And said they don't want to be part of this, and I don't blame them. And you know, when when you had guys out there like Bill Maher and others saying, this should remind people of how stupid higher education is, and how bad it is, and how die diversity, inclusion, and equity. Thank you, Sid. I used to say that all the time. I just forgot. Uh, and how die is destroying this country. I mean, it really is. And it's it's a it's a perch. Uh, the entire thing is done because they want to change America into a socialist utopia. And in order to bring about their Marxist revolution, they have to claim everybody's a victim and uh, they have to scream about racism and structural racism and all this other stuff. I told you years ago, remember when I said it was never about Confederate generals? It was always about going after the founding fathers. We had this debate years ago. It was an annoying debate about Cities taking down statues of Confederate generals. And the point that I was making back then was, don't think it stops here because it doesn't. It will keep going until the founding fathers ultimately, and you see this happening now, where they want to take down Jefferson's statue and they want to get rid of references to George Washington and others. They keep Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson, of course— even though they were both uh, anti-Semitic racists themselves, but they'll keep those guys up there. You know, Mr. Interment, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, for example. But they'll go after the founders, and the reason why they do that is they don't really care about the thoughts of the founders or the fact that they lived at a different time. If you can make the argument that this country was founded by a bunch of white supremacists, then whatever they wrote has to be destroyed with it, and that, of course, would mean the Constitution, And the Constitution is the guardrails that keeps the wacko nutbag Marxists from being able to just take over the country and do whatever they want. They need to destroy the Constitution to bring about their Marxist revolution. That's what this is all about. That's what diversity, inclusion, and equity, die is all about. It is about fundamentally changing America, making everybody believe America is inherently racist, the structures are inherently racist, and therefore you have to tear them down. And to tear them down... You have to tear down the documents which created this republic, which is the Constitution. And they want to do that. They want to pack the Supreme Court. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. They want to have a popular vote, have open borders and make everybody citizens. You know, today, uh, Congressman Tom Massey proposed an amendment to the United States Constitution. And it's a good one. And I hope it passes. There are 435 seats in the House of Representatives. And that number is fixed. It doesn't change. And it's based on population. How they apportion congressional districts is based on population. However, they use illegal immigrants as part of the numbers. And it's not supposed to be that way. You know, the intention of creating congressional districts was supposed to ensure that American citizens have equal representation in the House, not illegal immigrants. But what happens is blue states count their illegal immigrant numbers and then they're able to get more congressional seats. And so they're able to have more seats in in, in the House of Representatives, which case then gives them more power. And so what Tom Massey proposed today, it's a very good amendment. It would say that congressional apportionment can only be based on United States citizens in a congressional district, which is good. I mean, Does it have a chance of passing? Not if the Democrats are in control, of course, because they want to use that to reshape America. I told you their long-term plan. It, it's It's... You pack the Supreme Court, you make Puerto Rico a state, you make um, D.C. a state, you destroy the filibusters so there's not even a way to stop it. You have more Democrat senators, they do whatever the hell they want, and then ultimately they just run roughshod over everything. You, you, You open the border, you load up these blue states with illegal immigrants, they get more congressional seats in the House, more seats in the House, more power for these states, And ultimately then they can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, this is the game plan and it's all playing out right in front of us. And then, of course, teach our children every day that America is a racist place built on the pillars of white supremacy and structural racism and needs to be torn down. And how can you have a country that's governed by a document that was written by slave owners? And, you know, that's the ultimate master plan here, obviously. As part of that, they want to stop Donald Trump from being able to become president again. And they'll do whatever they have to do to stop him, whatever they have to do. And in the six o'clock hour, I'll get into a little bit more about what's going on with um, Maine and uh, Trump's appeal to the United States Supreme Court. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. I'll also replay my clip on Fox News because it was glorious and uh, chicks dig (laughs) me. And so... (laughs) That's the new the only Army. Chicks dig me. That'll be the new the new slogan.
12: Put it on a T-shirt.
2: I think you're right, Henry. Let's put it on a T-shirt. I'd buy that T-shirt. Well, you should buy that T-shirt, Matt Desantis. But
11: you're too cheap to buy it. Who are we kidding? <laughs> I keep hoping that someone will give me one, but that hasn't
2: occurred yet. It's not going to happen. No. There's no chance about that. No, we got this ratings memo, and um, I'm not going to get into all the details. But just the the, the key point about it is that. This, they call it a book, as they they say, it's the fall book. It was the best fall book in Afternoon Drive since the last time I was in Afternoon Drive. (laughs) That's my favorite part of that email. It was the best fall book in Afternoon Drive since 2018, which was the last time that Zioli was in Afternoon Drive. Uh, But in terms of women, we are up 150% among women.
11: (laughs) Chicks dig Rich Zioli
2: chicks dig us guys that's what it is it's the giggle i think i think chicks dig the giggle henry what do you think
12: uh i don't know it's pretty divisive on the internet i don't know if it is
2: divisive (laughs) you're right most guys don't like it
11: yeah maybe just the ladies like it That could be the reason behind our, our improvement with the with the ladies
2: and i think henry's uh dulcet baritone voice i think also is part of the reason
11: well that goes without say
2: i mean obviously come on one of us on the show has to have a good radio voice. It might as well be you. <laughs> Certainly not me. <they. laughs>
12: guy who speaks the least.
2: Uh, well, we're going to change that in 2024 because the, the new podcast is coming out. Actually, I do want to ask you what the hell happened with the Eagles the other day. What Ooh. happened? What was that?
12: Uh, well, basically, uh, it's over. Season's over. Really? It's, I, I, I don't know where you can go from here. It's- you
2: think we're done. Is that it,
12: bad, huh? It's. I don't see it getting any better. I mean, you made the, the switch with the defensive coordinators a couple weeks back. But no, ever since that 49ers game, they, the 49ers came out and said to everybody in the, in the in the NFL, we just gave you the blueprint on how to beat these guys, and you just got to copy it, and that's what everyone's been doing. Huh. I mean, they, they can't stop anybody on defense. The offense is vanilla at best it's it's and it's nothing that's going to get fixed uh, by firing a coach or you know bringing someone else new because defensively they're just sloppy fundamentally they don't make tackles they blow coverages seemingly every play and then the like i said offense is it's just there's no rhyme or reason to the plays they're calling nothing wow so i i genuine, this season i genuinely don't know where you go from here
2: ah uh, that's not good No. Because I was all excited for an Eagles watch party, a Super Bowl Eagles watch party. You know what I mean?
12: Yeah, and you know what? The the worst part is we're probably not going to have another home game because Dallas has control of the division. They play the lowly commanders this weekend. They beat them. They win the division. They get the two seed, and they get two home games. Uh, If that happens, the Eagles become the five, and they play all the games on the road.
2: And didn't you tell me that uh, we had an easy schedule going forward? That yep. we had our, our you did right. Yeah
12: the Car- the Cardinals only had what three wins coming into mm, I think in they were Sunday. the second worst team in yeah football. The second worst team in the NFL. They would have had the second overall draft pick. If they just kept losing, uh, and they they only averaged what eighteen points a game on the season. They came into Philadelphia and dropped thirty eight. So it's 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 really bad right now.
2: Well, that's why I, I'm putting all my hope in the Pop Tarts Bowl. <laughs>
12: that that was funny do you see the clips of the the mascot getting eaten
2: (laughs) I didn't even know there was such a thing as the Pop-Tarts Bowl oh it's it's
11: new this year yeah do we like the Pop-Tart Bowl more or the Mayo Bowl I enjoyed that one because the winning coach instead of having Gatorade dumped on his head they just dumped a giant vat of mayonnaise on top of
2: him that's pretty good that's pretty good I did like the Pop-Tarts Bowl how they brought out a giant toaster and put it on the field (laughs) yep and the edible mascot. It was weird
11: because they only left his eye behind. Did you see the finished product? All the players from the winning team kind of like grabbed a piece and, uh, and nibbled on it. But they left the one of the eyes behind and it looked creepy. It's the worst part. I mean,
2: it was totally creepy. They're eating a dude in a Pop-Tarts outfit. You know? Now see human legs there under a Pop-Tart. Am I missing something or what? I, mean,
12: I think it's going to turn into one of the best traditions in sports now. Like, kids are going to want to play in the Pop Tart Bowl now.
2: Oh man, I'll tell you what—the Pop Tarts Bowl. I, now, when when I was uh, off last week, did was there live coverage of the Pop Tarts Bowl? Like, did the show get bumped for the Pop Tarts Bowl <laughs> or anything like that? No,
11: we were bumped for Penn State football, but not the the Pop Tart Bowl. Yeah, and they oh, that's in not the, too bad. I they guess. played in the Peach Bowl.
2: Do we have any basketball this week bumping us? Please say yes. Please say yes. Please say I yes. I don't
11: actually. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either.
2: I haven't looked at the schedule.
11: Yeah, I, I haven't either.
2: I left my entire uh, my computer. My I, see, I, when I did the Fox News hit last week, I did it from my my uh, my in-laws' house up in Tupper Lake, and my mother-in-law, who's a you know, she watches MSNBC all day. I thought the house was going to burn down when I was doing a Fox News hit from her house. <laughs> I really did. There's going to be an explosion of some sort. <laughs> but it's the house survived. And uh, the Daily Beast wrote a snarky article about it. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. And they talked about what I said about banning gas stoves. And they and they, they, they they got a real snarky about me. They didn't like what I had to say. And she saw that because she reads all that stuff. And she sent it to me. And she said, uh, you got some ink mentioned in this, you know. But there's a paywall, so I couldn't read it. And I'm certainly not giving the Daily Beast my money. <laughs> Even if it's about me, I'm still not paying them. I'm you know surprised. What I, mean?
11: I figured you'd part ways with a couple bucks if you're the one featured in the article.
2: Yeah, I thought about that too, but yeah, we work in radio, you know what I mean? So we gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta hang on to every... Jake's may dig us, but we still gotta hang on to every dollar we have. <laughs> Uh, but I brought my computer up there because I was doing it virtually, and I left it there. I left my computer. I, le- I mean, I left. We left. We left so much stuff. Reagan had a she had strep and a UTI at the same time. Oh, over
11: Christmas. Ugh.
2: Over Christmas, my son got sick in the car when we pulled into my in-law's house. We had a six-and-a-half-hour drive. We pull into my in-law's house. Patrick throws up when we get there. And I even said to him, like, buddy, you couldn't have even opened the door and just done it right on Papa's driveway? You know what I mean? But of course not. It was in the car, so um, had to, uh, sh- don't tell Judith I had to clean out the Volvo. <laughs> hopefully it's, won't affect the lease, you know? Uh, <laughs> hopefully we're good with that. Everything was washable mats you know thank god for that but then uh then and then and then reagan was sick and so we took her to urgent care up there and i mean it was they gave her the wrong medicine and we had to call her pediatrician here cooper pediatrician who was able to put her on the right stuff so now she's feeling better but christmas was something man i, I mean the kids were sick and so we ran out of there finally we left on that friday and I left behind like, Patrick's jacket, my backpack with my computer, and all this other stuff. We left it, so now my in-laws have to ship it down to us and everything. It was just a you know, total madhouse. Yeah,
11: Sounds like a fun Christmas.
2: Oh, it was wonderful. And then the seven-hour drive back with two sick kids in the car. Reagan cried the entire car ride. Patrick was nauseous the entire time. We had to load him up on kids' drama mean. It was great. It was fun. It was awesome. So much fun. It rained as we're driving, you know what I mean? It's great. (laughs) Sounds
11: nice and relaxing. Just what you want from a little vacation.
2: Yeah, and then I'm getting my chops busted for not being on the air, and I'm thinking, I'd rather be on the air, but I, you know, can't do it because of this. But I'll tell you one thing, though, that is very obvious to me, and that is that um, I will never watch those New Year's Eve shows ever again. Between Joe Biden's interview with Ryan Seacrest and Green Day, and first of all, who watches those shows anyway? Honestly, who watches those shows on New Year's Eve? Anybody?
11: Uh, not me. No, never. I,
2: I, right? I mean, like I—I I think it was on in the background of the party we were at, but I don't know if anyone actually paid attention to it. But Green Day's singer Billy Joe Armstrong hates Trump. He changed the lyrics to one of his uh, his songs and took a shot at Trump. What What song was it that he changed? Was it American um, Idiot? American Idiot. Okay. Yes. Now I'm not a f- I, Green Day to me, kind of a sellout. I don't know. What do you think? I love
12: Green Day, so yeah. That's uh, that's just me though.
2: Well, this is what uh, this is what he sang here on New Year's Eve. If you missed uh, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, even though Dick Clark died like 32 <laughs> years ago, but they still call it that. Anyway, <laughs> this was uh, with Ryan Seacrest, cut 14. I'll be Now he said, "I don't. Uh, I'm not part of the redneck agenda." How come he's allowed? First of all, I imagine a lot of rednecks probably like Green Day, or did at some point.
12: Yeah, that makes that. That's honestly, I've, not, so I've never really thought about it like that.
2: Yeah, no. people who are rednecks embrace the term. I don't think it's really a pejorative, but I right. mean, Jeff Foxworthy made a whole career out of it. But <laughs> I think a lot of rednecks probably listen to Green Day, or at least they did. I don't understand these these people that take shots at their fan base. Who wind up going after the people that buy their stuff? I don't. I like. I've never understood that mentality.
12: Well, I don't know that's just kind of how Billy Joe operates. Like when they released that song, it, it was directed at uh, George W. Bush, I believe. because That's hmm. when it came out. So I think. He just and then rep- there
2: was. Yeah. And then there was this idiotic clip that happened where Biden forgot that he, he eats ice cream. Uh, this, you know, what this reminded me of this. Reminded me of when you go to visit, like your grandpa at a home, like a nursing home. You're like, "How's the food, Pop?" You know. Oh, it's great. Food's great. I mean, this is what this clip reminds me of here. Uh, This is cut 13. I'm curious, what sort of holiday foods have you been enjoying over the last few days?
6: Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. (laughs) I've been eating pasta, which I love. Eating a lot of chicken, chicken parmesan. I've been eating all all Italian foods, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream, chocolate chip ice cream.
2: Does that not remind you of, okay, pay, pay, how's the food here, Pop? Oh, that's good. Yeah, really good. Oh, I'm sorry, but I can't I can't get over that. <laughs> All right. Uh got a lot. I got a fourth and final hour coming up straight ahead. Can I do I'll do this next, Henry Cherry Hill. Can I skip yeah, it? Yeah, go All on. right I'll skip it. I'll come back. I'll do that. Tell Lori to hang on. I'll talk to her next too as well. Uh, fourth and final hour. Donald Trump appeals the decision by Maine. This is some breaking news here. Don't go away.
1: Rich Cioli, weekday afternoons, three till seven, talk radio twelve ten, WPHT and on the free odyssey app.
2: The president of Harvard is out. Claudine Gay resigns now. She will remain a member of the faculty, however, and still make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Former President Donald Trump appeals Maine's exclusion, banning him from the ballot. Lot to talk about. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Hope you had a wonderful uh, New Year's Eve, wonderful Christmas. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zeoli. I'm going to get into... The, the appeal by the former president, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think and how this is going to play out and why the Secretary of State of Maine is, is, uh, is nuts, in my opinion. But that is officially breaking news. Also, the other breaking news today is that uh, former, I mean, not former, but soon to be former, eventually will be former, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez hit with additional charges of aiding a foreign country, this time the nation of Qatar. Uh, he was already accused of aiding Egypt. Now he's accused of aiding Cutter to enrich himself financially and his friends financially as well. So we we'll get into all that with you. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. Lori's in Ringo's. She's been patiently holding. Lori. Happy New Year.
13: Happy New Year, Rich. Um, I wanted to say that Claudine Gay. Um, you know the accusations around her resignation are that um, uh, for, for due to plagiarism, um, is it it's racism? Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think I agree with that. It, it is racism. It must be because we have a president of the United States who is a known plagiarist. And yet that old white guy still got his job, but she she doesn't have hers. So is there racism in there. And I am being tongue in cheek, Rich.
2: No, I know you are, but it's a good point uh it's a very good point, I mean joe biden has has survived all those plagiarism accusations and and uh yeah, quoting gay, so it must be it must be racism i guess
13: and can you I say one it. other related one sure. other related thing so um the I think you had a recent a previous caller that said there's this a long way to go now. You got rid of two of those presidents, Liz McGill being one of them um mm-hmm. uh, and and you, there's still so much more to do, and I gotta tell you that is so true. Um, Because I have a daughter who recently graduated from Penn, taking um, hard sciences. I don't want to get too specific, but I'm talking about like physics, chemistry, that kind of stuff when I when I call the hard sciences. So did a minor in music and had to fill out her seventh music class. And there wasn't much to choose from. Chose something like women in music. Went to the first class, got the syllabus. And the topic literally had the word, it was like dykes with woodwinds or dykes and percussion. You know, it was like, can't, you know, refuse to take it because, you know, she's seriously interested in music, too, and wanted to actually learn something. But this is the kind of stuff that's going on, and it's pervasive at every level. So getting rid of the president might be a nice start, but they have to be, you know, it has to be the beginning of something, not the end.
2: Yeah, I don't even know if you can say that on the radio, but like we just yeah, did, did so I get bleeped? I, I was wondering. I, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, don't, I think it's not on the well, banned list. I, don't know. I mean, I assume yeah, we bleep just to be safe. Oh, we we bleep yeah. to just be safe. It was
13: literally. This is literally what's printed. You know. To yeah. People that go see what what they're going to be learning about that kind it of was, crap. I think a, I can say
2: the, crap. A D word for lesbians is what she said, which also is something used to hold up a piling in water, right? <laughs>
13: that little Dutch boy stuck his finger in it to keep the (laughs) dam from bursting. And it's not just limited to the Ivy Leagues, I gotta say. I got a kid that goes to Penn State, and I told that kid, any of these classes, don't take that kind of class, because I don't want to pay $5,000 for a class for one semester and find out that it's that kind of crap.
2: Well, you know, Laurie, it's what uh, Guy Reschenthaler, Congressman Reschenthaler, made a great point. He said, "Truth in Lending has to be a thing here." You know, if, if, if a student's majoring in gender studies and they, they're going to graduate and make a salary of thirty five thousand dollars a year, they're going to have two hundred thousand dollars of debt. How much the, the, the cost of that is going to cost them over the, their lifetime? A Truth in Lending Act, I think, would be would be would be very helpful. But the other problem is that as long as the government keeps giving out this free money, "quote unquote" free money they're going to keep college is going to keep raising their rates there's, they're, they're always going to be, there's always going to be a market for it so there's no incentive for them to ever lower tuition or keep it even flat you know I
13: totally agree and we're trying to put our children through college without any without incurring any um, loans either my my husband and I or my kids but I got to tell you Rich there's a lot of lifestyle trade off decisions that we've made for the past 20 years since we had kids and you know that, mm-hmm. that we've had to make to be able to do that, and the end of it, it's you know mm-hmm. the well's going to be pretty dry. And the reason it costs so dang much is because of what you're saying. Because the government has infused all this loan money, we would be paying less, even out of pocket. Okay, if the if these schools didn't have all this money coming at them, basically through the U.S. government, because they're guaranteeing the loans.
2: Yeah, well, well said, Lori. Thank you. Happy New Year, my friend. And we'll talk to you again Happy soon. New Year you welcome. 855 right, so Maine. Now, here's the thing you got to r- realize about the state of Maine and what the Secretary of State did here, and I have some audio I'm going to share with you. Uh, she made this decision on herself, all, 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 all by herself here, to just ban Trump from the ballot. There's no due process whatsoever. Here's the Maine Secretary of State explaining her decision-making here. She was on MSNBC. It's a little bit long, but I, I want you to listen to it, if you don't mind, because I think it's really... Important to think about the kind of arrogance and just pure authoritarianism of this person to think that she has this power to do this when Donald Trump has never been found guilty of any of these things, let alone even charged with any of these things. Cut number one.
3: It's a very detailed decision. Uh, We lay out uh, why under Maine law, the secretary of state has the authority, indeed the obligation, I'm duty bound to make this determination. Uh, We also, I Rather, um, laid out that the record demonstrates that, in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And finally, uh, in reviewing the facts presented, the evidence, uh, the law, the history, um, we determined uh, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that Mr. Trump engaged in insurrection. And therefore, was disqualified.
4: Now, I I I have to say, not only is this an incredibly important decision, but it's a very brave decision. Uh, the Trump campaign has has already come out attacking you. Uh, they have said that you are a a virulent leftist and a hyperpartisan Biden supporting Democrat.
3: First and foremost, it's important to know my oath to the Constitution, my obligations to the Constitution and rule of law come before any other consideration no other factors could weigh on that decision and did not. I'm duty bound to both hold a hearing and make a ruling. And under the law, there's a very compressed timeline. Uh, In evaluating this, uh, I came to the conclusion that I could not, unfortunately or fortunately, wait for the United States Supreme Court to make a decision uh, the main law required me to issue that decision, which I did today. I smiled because we were number one in voter turnout per capita in 2022. We are really proud of that, and we have a really strong framework of election laws that encourage citizen participation. Uh, we
2: have same day right, Let's voter stop it right there. Let's, let's let's break this down for a second. Uh, she's determined Trump engaged in an insurrection. All right, she's determined this herself. She's made this determination. My question is this. What gives the right of the state of Maine to not only accuse somebody of a federal crime, but to find them guilty of that federal crime and then to impose uh, a sentence on them? Because that's essentially what she's done. An insurrection would be a federal offense. Whether you're inciting it or participating in it or giving aid and comfort to that, it'd be a federal offense, it'd be a federal issue. Yet Maine has decided this. Trump did not get a trial in Maine. I don't think Maine has the authority to do this. I don't know how a state has the authority to charge somebody with federal offenses. Yes, it's incumbent upon the states to ensure that the elections are fair, as per Article 2 of the United States Constitution. The Article 2 is very clear. It states how old the the person has to be to be president, 35, minimum age, at the time of your inauguration got to be 35, you've got to be born in the United States, and you have to live in the United States for a certain period of time. That's all there. And yes, the states are incumbent upon enforcing that because that is in the Constitution. To argue that the 14th Amendment is also in the Constitution, therefore then the states have the right to enforce it, is absurd if Donald Trump has not been found guilty of these things in a federal court. And this is the fundamental problem with what Maine is doing. And this is why I think the United States Supreme Court is going to say she has no right to do this. Trump has not been found guilty, has not been charged with an insurrection. In the United States of America, a person is entitled to due process. We just don't get to see things on TV and come to these conclusions. We don't get to just make decisions based on that. Big saying, well, I, I watched closed circuit television of that guy stabbing that woman to death. Therefore, he's guilty. Send him to prison, skip the trial and right there. it's not, we, we don't do things that way in this country. Every person is afforded their due process rights. And there's nothing about the 14th Amendment that precludes that. In fact, the 14th Amendment doubles down on due process as it argues that no person can be denied life, liberty, or property without due process. You're you're literally denying Donald Trump the liberty to be able to run for president of the United States without due process. And that is in the 14th Amendment. You know, the the due process provision of the 14th Amendment, which many people have interpreted as ensuring that the Bill of Rights, ensuring that all the rights outlined in the first 10 amendments are uh, something that all the states have to enforce, you know, protect, I should say. But it's very clear. It's very clear there that no person shall be denied life, liberty or property without due process. That's also in the 14th Amendment. So where was Trump's due process? The Secretary of State of Maine just decides this on her own. She just decides this without a trial, without a a jury of his peers, without Trump being able to present evidence in his defense. Nothing. I mean, there's nothing with the Sixth Amendment whatsoever here that's involved. And that's the other problem that I have with this, too, which is that if you're going to turn around and you're going to say that Donald Trump lacks the ability right now to be able to defend himself, Donald Trump does not have the ability— as an American citizen, to turn around and offer up a defense, then how does the Fourteenth Amendment then make sure that all the Bill of Rights extend to the states? I mean, the, the Sixth Amendment is right there; it's very clear, right? You, you have a right to a jury of your peers. You have a right to, you know, present evidence. In your, it's right there. Fourteenth Amendment supposed to say all the states have to ensure that the Bill of Rights are there, you can't deny anybody, any of the rights afforded in the Constitution in the first 10 articles. Well, they're doing that in Maine. They're completely doing that in Maine, all on her own, deciding this as the Secretary of State by herself. It's so mind-bogglingly authoritarian and dangerous that even David Axelrod comes to that conclusion. But before I get to that, let me also play you this here. Now she's entitled to her opinion, and if this is what the main Secretary of State thinks, then by all means, you're allowed to think this. It's America; you have a right to think this, and she can she can go out there on the campaign trail, and she can she can go out there and endorse Joe Biden, she can she can back Biden, and she can say all these things about Trump. She's allowed to think this, but what gives her the right to then put it into action, into legal action, is the question that I'll ask you. Here's her, the main Secretary of State. Uh, Be- Shanna Bellows, cut two. my
3: decision is 36 pages. I encourage people to read it on the main secretary of state website. Uh, the weight of the evidence, all of the evidence made clear that Mr. Trump was aware of the tender laid by a multi-month effort to delegitimize. A Democratic election, the election of 2020 and then chose to light a match on January 6th and then did nothing for a time. The evidence presented, uh, demonstrated, and and remember the events of January 6th, 2021, and this was borne out by the evidence, were unprecedented and tragic. They were an attack, not only upon the Capitol and on the government officials there, members of Congress, former vice president, but also an attack on the rule of law. And the evidence demonstrated that they occurred at the behest of and with the knowledge and support of the outgoing president.
2: Here's my question. At what point was this evidence shown in the courtroom? At what point was this evidence shown in the courtroom? And at what point was Donald Trump afforded the ability to face his accusers and present his own evidence to push back against the government's claims? Because I missed, I missed that. I I, I miss when all that happened. So now we live in a country where one individual, one one state official, can now decide to be judge, jury, and executioner. Because she saw something on television. She has strong opinions about it. She believes these things. And it doesn't matter if Donald Trump had no due process, no ability to cross-examine witnesses, no ability to face his accusers, no ability to present evidence. Not, it doesn't matter. It does, none of those things matter. It just... She feels that way, so then therefore he doesn't get the right to be on the ballot. I mean, how is that America is my question. How does that sound like the United States of America? I, as the Secretary of State, get to determine your guilt on a federal offense, even based on evidence that you have not had a chance to review, you have not had a chance to push back on, you've not had a chance to explain why my evidence is BS in front of a jury of your peers. And as a consequence of that, I'm depriving you of your liberty to be able to run for president. I'm taking away your liberty, even though you've had no due process. Your due process was me determining your guilt. That was your due process. I looked at the evidence of January 6th, and I determined that you did these things. And therefore, that's enough. I mean, my God, do you get more authoritarian than that? Do you get more tyrannical than that? Where somebody gets to turn around and just make a determination about someone's guilt like that and then take away their life or their liberty or their property without a trial, without due process, without a jury of their peers, without, without the, the... Remember, in our system of justice, every single person is entitled to a presumption of innocence. You don't have to fight to prove your innocence. The government has to fight to prove your guilt. There, there, there's no ex- exemptions for that whatsoever. It doesn't matter how serious the crime is. It doesn't matter whether it is a crime of treason. It doesn't matter if it's if it's child murder. It doesn't matter. Every person gets the right to be viewed in the eyes of the law as an innocent person and afforded their due process rights. This is every citizen has that right. Every single citizen of the United States of America, Donald Trump being no different. And yet, here in Maine, we've decided now that we will cast judgment on a federal offense and prescribe the penalty. And there's not even an appeal process within the state of Maine, let alone a a trial. This is what I think the Supreme Court needs to fundamentally come back and, and explain to the state of Maine and to every state that you don't get to do this because there's something called due process, which is also in the 14th Amendment. And you've deprived this man of due process and you absolutely have no authority to do this. And then the other thing, which is so stupid about this now, is that you have this idiot Jamie Raskin, who really, honestly, truly is a moron, equating this to somebody not being uh, born in this country and being deprived of the right to be on the ballot because of the uh, of, of that determination. Here's cut number four.
6: I think that the urgency is for the Supreme Court to act, but um, I think it's going to be Uh, tough for some of them if they want to keep Trump on the ballot, if they're falling for the argument that this is undemocratic. I mean, is it undemocratic that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jennifer Granholm can't run for president because they weren't born in the country? If you think about it, of all the forms of disqualification we have, the one that disqualifies people for engaging in insurrection is the most democratic.
2: How is it the most democratic, you idiot? If you're not born in this country, Article 2 is very clear, you can't be president. How, so how, how is, how is the, the, the disqualifying somebody under the 14th Amendment the most democratic if you don't even have to go through any due process? Even if somebody was not born in this country but is accused of – let's say a U.S. citizen who was born in the United States of America but is accused of being born in a foreign country, at least that person has due process. They're allowed to go to a court and prove that they were born in America. They're allowed to, they're allowed to, to prove their case. And, and it's very simple. You're not, you're not accused of a crime. It's a question of where you were born. It's just a requirement under the Constitution. It's not, it's not a disqualification. You, it's a requirement under the Constitution. Here are the requirements. you got to be born in this country. It's not, it doesn't disqualify people who weren't born in this country from being president because they weren't born in this country, you idiot. You're talking about disqualifying somebody who is eligible to be president without due process. If I'm born in Kenya, I'm not eligible to be president. Therefore, I'm not disqualified from being president, you moron. I can't be. I was born in Kenya. But if but if I'm an American citizen and I've met the requirements of Article 2, you can't just disqualify me without due process. You idiot. All right, 855-839-1210 is the number. Uh, CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig said uh, that Bellows, relied on YouTube clips to make her decision. Oh, that's good. Well, she used YouTube. I guess that's what we use now instead of due process. We use YouTube. That's helpful. That's good. I think they should update the Constitution to say that. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process, except if we rely on YouTube clips. I think that'd be a good update to the amendment. I don't know if it'll pass or not, but I'll propose that constitutional amendment when I get back. 855 through 1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Listen, Cherry Hill Vavo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Our great friends over there have just been an incredible sponsors of our show, of our station. You know, we broadcast live every day from the Cherry Hill Vavo Studios, located right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. That's where the dealership is, of course. We are, we are not physically there. But years ago, Judith, <coughs> excuse, me, <coughs> excuse me, Judith said, I want the studio naming rights. I want everybody to know how much we stand with Talk Radio 1210 PhD and the incredible work you do there. That's why we are the Cherry Hill Vavo Studios, and we're so proud of that fact. Now, there are incredible savings opportunities for you right now at Cherry Hill Vavo. Already aggressive pricing and promotions, and they will strive to find you the absolute best pricing and best promotions, owner loyalty bonuses, so much more. And right now, they're getting ready for their big renovation. So there's even extra savings opportunities for you and even more aggressive promotions at Cherry Hill Volvo. You will see that the entire team is dedicated to making sure you're happy. And I'll tell you, I'm driving up to the Adirondacks to see Bridget's family in the XC90, the family car, luxurious, third row and plenty of cargo space. It made the trip so much easier. So what are you waiting for? Go visit them today right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Maybe you want to have a smaller SUV. I have the XC40 and I love it. It's got a ton of cargo room and it's beautiful and I love driving it and I'm in a program called Care by Volvo. When you take advantage of Care by Volvo through Cherry Hill Volvo, your payments include insurance yes your car insurance is included prepaid tire prepaid uh, scheduled maintenance tire and wheel care 15000 miles annually excessive wear coverage and more for one price and then after 5 months you can change to a different volvo keep the volvo you have or cancel the lease altogether it's the flexibility you deserve so go see them today cherry hill volvo where relationships matter
1: the Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, in the free Odyssey app.
2: You know, the um, amazing thing about this political season we're about to get into, of course, is that we are in Pennsylvania, so we are going to be the epicenter of all that. I think Congressman Guy Reschenthaler really drove home that point today. If you missed it, that interview is podcast, of course. I want to thank you as well for... Uh, all all the podcast downloads have been just uh, we've been crushing it thank you for that really do appreciate it thank you thank you thank you for listening for however you listen you listen on the podcast the next day you listen whatever however you do it thank you for doing it that way we appreciate it very very much it means the world and obviously uh since we are in the epicenter of this for 2024 we are going to have on some great guests throughout the year no doubt about it one of those great guests will be tomorrow Dr. Carol Swain herself will be on the show at 535 tomorrow, and she has been one of the people out there, the most vocal calling for Claudine Gay to go because Claudine Gay directly plagiarized from Dr. Carol Swain, who is a prominent African-American woman, and yet the left will never acknowledge her as they scream about a black woman president being pushed out of Harvard because of institutional racism. They will never mention the fact that she stole from a black woman named Dr. Carol Swain and her intellectual thought. But let's stick to this issue about Maine, shall we? This is uh, Ellie Honig. This is the CNN legal analyst talking about how Maine's secretary of state came up with her legal reasoning, uh, of course, denying Donald J. Trump any due process whatsoever and deciding of his guilt uh, all by herself and then handing out the punishment all by herself Take a listen. Now, it's important to know. And in
9: the ruling, the uh, secretary of state we just heard from says she's basically following the same legal reasoning as the Colorado Supreme Court did last week. And she says in her ruling, if this gets struck down in Colorado, we're out of luck, too. So she's basing it on the same legal argument. Let me sort of lay out the arguments both sides. And by the way, it's worth saying we're all theorizing here. We're in legally unknown territory. The argument against is, first of all. The 14th Amendment, Section 5, says Congress has the authority to pass laws to implement this. They did. They passed the criminal law. And the argument is that means Congress, not the states. But perhaps this is the argument that the main secretary of state in Colorado made. The states can do it, too. If that's true, then Section 2, question 2, is were the processes, were these hearings fair? Did they comport with due process? And I think there's a question there. With regard to what Maine did, because if you look at the hearing and she details this in the in the ruling, they heard from one fact witness, a law professor. She based her ruling on a lot of documents, but also YouTube clips, news reports, things that would never pass the bar in normal court. She's not a lawyer, by the way. It's a smartly written decision, clearly consulted with lawyers. But this is an unelected. She's chosen by the state legislature.
2: yeah, a YouTube clip. So that's what I mean. You know, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process, unless uh, the person watches a lot of YouTube clips and then decides your guilt for you, right there. <laughs> and I propose that we amend the Constitution to say that. We'll call it the YouTube <laughs> amendment. We'll update the fourteenth amendment. <laughs> No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process, dot, 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 unless the person accusing you has watched a lot of YouTube clips. (laughs) In which case, you are screwed. I think it would pass. And we'll go down as one of the... Let the 14th Amendment officially be one of the worst amendments to the Constitution, along with the 16th Amendment and the 17th Amendment. The 18th Amendment... And the 19th Amendment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Chicks dig me. I'm just joking. I love the fact that you have the right to vote.
11: We love the 19th Amendment on The Rich the Only Show. That's our (laughs)
2: official stance. That's the official stance of the show. We don't like the 16th Amendment. That was taxation. 17th Amendment was uh, was the popular vote for senators. 18th Amendment was prohibition. And the 19th Amendment was giving the ladies the right to vote. We like that one, theoretically.
11: Chicks dig the rich. The only show that is our new
2: that is our slogan for 2024. We're up 150 percent in the uh, coveted women hot uh, hot women dem- demographics. So, <laughs> you know, thank you for that. Uh, here is the Colorado Secretary of State explaining again how uh, she gave Donald Trump no due process, but but in her defense, she also. Watch a lot of youtube clips cut number three colorado's elections are
5: the best in the nation and we think we'll have a great election regardless of what happens we have provisions already under colorado law uh, to deal with a situation when a candidate is disqualified when their name already appears on the ballot and the vast majority of coloradans actually vote their mail ballots even with unprecedented in-person voting opportunities I think it's important to note that we are only here because Donald Trump incited the insurrection. He has created the situation for himself. There is clear language in the Constitution, in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, for this exact situation. Uh, I believe he is a threat to democracy, the right to vote, and the future stability of this nation.
2: Okay, so as long as you believe it, then it must be so. And that's it. it. We could also amend the 14th Amendment to say that. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process, dot, 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 unless the accuser really believes it, (laughs) dot, 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 and also watches YouTube clips, dot, 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 (laughs) really thinks it's true. That's it, and we're good. Uh, Even David Axelrod knows how bad this is politically for Democrats. It's not good. It's 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 terrible for democracy, but it's also bad for Democrats. And all it's doing is helping Donald Trump. Here is, of course, former Obama advisor. And I've told you this before. I think David Axelrod is one of the sharpest political minds out there. I may not agree with the guy much politically, but he's certainly very, very smart. He's no question about it. Uh, one of the top three smartest Democrats out there. And by the way, I should mention all three of those smart people all think that Joe Biden needs to drop out of the race. Take a listen.
7: All of this is is uh, strengthening uh, him in the Republican primary. We've run this experiment. Uh, you know, he's only gained since he started getting indicted. Uh, you know, what you thought might be kryptonite for him has turned out to be battery packs. And this is a big one uh, for him. Uh, presumably, the Supreme Court will deal with it uh, fairly quickly, and I expect that they will leave him on the ballot. And yes, uh, Brianna, I, I I have very, very strong reservations about all of this. I do think it would rip the country apart if he were uh, actually prevented from running because tens of millions of people uh, want to vote for him. I think if you're going to beat Donald Trump, you're going to probably have to do it at the polls.
2: Well, he's exactly right about that fact in terms of it's only helping Donald Trump politically, no question about it. And in addition to helping Trump politically, you got to wonder how much it's hurting Joe Biden. There's so many factors hurting Joe Biden right now. Obviously, the economy, the open borders, no doubt about it. There's a new poll that came out and MSNBC's Steve Cornacki was breathless, breathless describing this. It's bad. I mean, Biden begins 2024 in really Really bad shape. Worse than any other incumbent president facing reelection in the history of NBC News polls. It's that bad, Cutty.
4: How about the Democratic end of things? Joe Biden seems poised to be the Democratic nominee. What kind of year is he had politically? Well, again, he started 2023, coming off those good midterms for Democrats, and his approval rating, you know, 46.50. Wasn't that bad, but it's taken a hit this year. And as we start to close out the year, our final NBC poll had him at just 40% approval, 57% disapproval. How does this compare to past presidents entering the re-election year? Here you can see it. Here's the 40 that we have Biden at right now. These are all the final polls heading into the election re-election. Election year That NBC conducted. You just see all the recent presidents. Look, Trump got beat in 2020. He was at 44 heading into his re election year. Bush Sr. got beat in 92. He was at 52 and heading south rapidly uh, there. But you see how that number compares. That's the lowest. That's the lowest in an NBC poll for an incumbent facing a re election year.
2: That's not good. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, not good. Uh,. But Biden does, you know, the, the the thing that is really troubling for Joe Biden is that as a messenger, he's just the absolute worst. So they asked him on the rocking New Year's Eve, what are you what's your New Year's goal? What, you know, what, what do you want to do? What's your what's your what's your big goal here for 2024? Now, think about this now he's running for reelection, theoretically, for president of the United States of America. He, he's not popular. And he gets asked the question. Well, you know, what do you, what do you, like, what's your, what's your New Year's resolution here? What is it? What's your resolution? Cut 12. What's
5: your New Year's resolution, sir? Cut next year. Anything else? That's the biggest
6: one right now. To come
2: back next year. Of course, he said that from the United States Virgin Islands, where he was there on a very, very posh, luxurious vacation, staying at the home of a guy who owns several media outlets in the United States of America. So you see, it's not good for him right now. And even Morning Joe had to confront Kareem Jean-Pierre on these terrible poll numbers showing Biden losing the Hispanic vote. I'll share that with you upon my return. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, our fourth and final hour, coming right back. Thanks for
1: listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the
2: Odyssey app. Indeed it is, and that's good because it's a short week for us. Happy New Year! Well, thank you for being here. We appreciate it very much. It's gonna be a great year. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna have a lot of fun, and uh, we are gonna be at the center of the action, no doubt about it. So I'm excited. I really am, and I'm glad. I'm grateful that you listen. Thank you very, very much. Um, I, you know, I'm gonna skip the morning Joe thing for now. I, I don't have time for it. But the the bottom line is that Kareem Jean Pierre is confronted because this new poll that shows Biden is losing Hispanic voters. I mean Trump is beating Biden with Hispanic voters. It's just it's it really is truly amazing. But this is another idiotic point that Jamie Raskin makes. All right, so Jamie Raskin is proving to be one of the biggest idiots uh, ever. He was an election denier. Now in 2017 he tried to stop the certification of Donald Trump from becoming president. I don't know why he has not been charged with that crime of election denialism, but he argued that Trump should not be certified as president by the United States Congress because of uh, Florida. And he, he, this was his argument, it was an election denial. Now, today, Donald Trump officially appealed to the United States Supreme Court to have them review the decision in Maine. The Supreme Court, I think, is going to tell Maine, go scratch. This man has had no due process. Get out of here. I don't think they'll necessarily address the 14th Amendment, Section 3, because I don't think they have to, because Donald Trump has not been charged or found guilty of anything with an insurrection, so I don't think it's relevant yet. They may, but I don't think they will. The other question then becomes is, what does the special counsel Jack Smith do? I think, Jack, and I've said this to you for a while, I think Jack Smith is ultimately going to throw more charges at Trump, one of which will be giving aid and comfort to those who did commit an insurrection against the United States. His point being the Proud Boys, who were found guilty of seditious conspiracy, which I think is a ridiculous overcharge by the prosecution. But nevertheless, as of now, that verdict stands, and I think that Jack Smith will probably charge Trump with that, which then would elevate, assuming he's found guilty, uh, the 14th Amendment Section 3 claim of whether or not it includes presidents, which, of course, it does not. But... That may never see the light of day anyway. The reason for that is, because I told you, we were getting off the air for their final show of the year. It was that Friday right before Christmas. And the United States Supreme Court came down and said, we're not going to hear the fast track claims regarding Trump's immunity. It's got to go through the circuit court. That process will take time. And presumably, it'll be appealed either by the government or by Trump, depending on how the court rules who will be doing the appeal. And then the Supreme Court's going to hear it. You may be, this whole thing may be a, a moot point anyway, because by the time this gets to court, Trump may already be president and pardon himself. Or a rep, another Republican will be president and pardon Trump. So I'd be shocked if this ever actually sees the light of day. And the Supreme Court may not want to tackle the 14th Amendment, Section 3 part right now. They like narrow rulings. And I think it's very easy just to turn around and tell Maine. He hasn't had any due process. This is a federal charge, and you don't have the right as a state to block him unless he's been found guilty of something, in which case then we can talk about whether or not the 14th Amendment Section 3 even applies. Or they may just tackle it all at once and just say it's irrelevant because it doesn't apply to presidents. But this is what they're worried about, is that I told you back in 2016, as I was trying to heal all the Republican voters, many of whom were angry and did not want to vote for Trump. And they, I said, you got to do it for the court. You don't want Hillary Clinton appointing justices. And Trump appointed some really solid justices to the Supreme Court who are originalists and textualists. who are going to look at the writings and also look at the original draft of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which did include president, and then they took it out. And I think the court's going to conclude that they took it out for a reason and therefore it doesn't apply to presidents. And, you know, that's it. This is why Raskin, who's an idiot, thinks that conservative justices should not be allowed to weigh in on this because of their political philosophy. So now this is the next thing now that we're getting to, which is that if a case goes before the Supreme Court that is favorable to a Republican or favorable to Trump or favorable to a conservative uh, outcome, I guess those conservative justices should have to recuse themselves in Jamie Raskin's world cut five. Should any of the justices recuse themselves if they take this
7: up?
6: Well, um, finally, the Supreme Court has developed what they're describing as a code of ethics. It's not binding in the sense that they're not going to anyone else. They could have gone to, for example, circuit court justices. You, you could have had state Supreme Court justices on a panel. But so they're they're deciding for themselves, again, whether they're in violation of their code of ethics. But I think Anybody looking at this in any kind of dispassionate, reasonable way would say if your wife was involved in the big lie and claiming that Donald Trump had actually won the presidential election had been agitating for that and participating in the events leading up to January 6th, that you shouldn't be participating in... So he should
7: recuse himself.
6: He should. Oh, he absolutely should recuse himself. The question is, what do we do if he doesn't recuse Mm -hmm. himself?
2: What do, well, he's talking about Clarence Thomas because his wife was involved. So now, if your wife's involved politically in something, you have to recuse yourself. That's, that's going to be Jamie Raskin's standard. It's idiotic. Uh, Philadelphia has a new mayor. Cheryl Parker was sworn in today as mayor. One of her first acts was to declare that there is a public safety emergency in the city of Philadelphia. This is a little bit from Mayor Parker's inauguration today. Cut 20.
8: Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly
13: swear. That I will support... I will support, obey and defend, obey and defend, the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and the Philadelphia Home of Charter. Philadelphia your Home room, Charter. And that I want, and that I will. That I will discharge the duties. Discharge the duties as may as mayor. Of
9: Philadelphia. Of Philadelphia. We'll fight that
7: Madam
2: Mayor. Now one of the first acts she did was to sign this order declaring a citywide public safety emergency, directing the new police commissioner to do whatever he's got to do, basically, to clean up the city, which is good. Uh, Jim Kenney, the disgrace, the now former mayor, would never do so. He would never, ever do that. And now Kevin Bethel is now sworn in officially as Philadelphia's new police commissioner. And people have said great things about him. They expect great things from him as a cop's cop, and hopefully he'll do a great job. Her action plan for the first 100 days of her administration includes this Public safety, emergency, and good. I mean, I think it's uh, it's really important. Hopefully, hopefully, this will be a change. I mean, it, we need a change. But, of course, as she deals with lawlessness and the new police commissioner pledges to address lawlessness, they have a problem, and that is the cancer in Philadelphia, Larry Krasner. But the new police commissioner, Kevin Bethel, said he felt compelled to take the job in order to help address a violence crisis that he often experienced firsthand while working as the head of safety at the school district in recent years. And uh, he is, he's, he's said, you know, he's going to do something and hopefully he will be able to play a part in cleaning up the city. But we have to deal with the reality Of the fact that Larry Krasner, as the district attorney, is going to do everything he possibly can to take the side of criminals, no question about it. All right, so listen, Happy New Year. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. I wish you nothing but health and prosperity as we begin 2024. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun together. We'll cover all the politics for you. We'll cover this presidential election, U.S. Senate race. Uh, no question about it. We got a chance here to beat the Lesser Casey. No doubt about it. My man Dave McCormick, I think, can win that seat. So let's uh, let's do this, all right? Have a great rest of your night. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening.
1: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons 3-7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.